Well, hello everyone and welcome to this, my 32nd attempt at getting a podcast right. And today my guest is uh, Chris Flowers. Uh, Chris is a long-time big gamer, a former member of the SODs, and somebody who has been taking big, big games around the show since the early 1980s. So we're going to chat with Chris about his fantastic collection of figures and his uh, piles of experience in uh, putting on big games, both at home and on the show circuit. Uh, But before we go to the interview, as always, it's a little bit of housekeeping. And uh, first thing to talk about is uh, my recent appearance at Fiasco, the war game show that uh, the club I belong to, Leeds War Games Club, put on each year at the Royal Armouries. And uh, I put uh, an Italian Wars game on based on a fictitious uh, relief of the Siege of Forley early on in the uh, the war, when uh, Cesare Borgia was uh, running around the north of Italy with uh, a load of French and Swiss mercenaries uh, and a few of his own troops uh, causing chaos, as uh, our old friend Cesare used to do. Um, it was a bit of a rush job, so uh, obviously... Regular listeners and viewers of Yorkshire Gamer will know I am trying to get the Battle of Mentana on, but unfortunately, Perry's Miniatures haven't released the uh, French Infantry yet, so I can't get all the figures, so that kind of had to be put on the back burner, and everything that I'd prepared for that put to one side, and I kind of had to rush and get this game out. Um, So, you know, there's no specialised terrain or notice boards, etc. for it. It was uh, literally a case of grab and go, but lots of people enjoyed it. Lots of people came up for a chat, which was fantastic. I didn't get to speak to everyone, and I do apologise if I didn't manage to speak to you, but I did speak to quite a lot of people. And uh, I hope you all had a great day at Fiasco. It's great to see so many people coming out to uh, war game shows, and uh, long may that continue. Uh, the if you didn't get a chance to come and see the game at uh, Fiasco, and you are in the local area, then I will be taking the same game to the Recon Show, which is uh, very local to me in Pudsey, uh, down at the Civic Centre, and. Uh, more than welcome to come along and uh, I'll have a chat with you down by the game. Bit of sad news in that uh, our friend uh, of the podcast, uh, Sean Clark from uh, God's Own Scale, has decided to call it a day with his podcast, um, which uh, was specialising on smaller scale uh, gaming, 6mm, 10mm, etc. And if you haven't listened to it, uh, it was fa- it's a fantastic show, uh, brought light to you know the smaller scales and uh, very interesting guests on there. Bit of ill health for Sean, and um, I wish him all the best, and I hope uh, he gets better soon. It's a sad thing to see the podcast go, but I'm sure you'll all agree that Sean's health is the number one priority. Now, I hope I'm going to be able to persuade him to uh, stay on and do the Brews in the Binyard episodes uh, with myself and Alex. Uh, Sean was uh, 
it was part of that trio uh, and very much made those shows uh, the fun um, episodes that they are. So hopefully Sean will do those. Maybe not the Christmas one, but, uh, you know, summer, I'd love to have him back on the air, even if it's just twice a year, that would be better than nothing. So if you're listening, Sean, all the best, mate. Uh, I hope you get better soon and I hope to speak to you soon. So moving on to the podcast itself, uh, my interview with Chris. Now, this was done in person. I've actually got off my backside and gone to visit somebody uh, for the first time in a while. And um, I'd picked up some Lavalier mics, uh, sounding all posh now, um, which are little condenser microphones that they use on TV interviews. And uh, surprisingly, they work quite well. Uh, It's never... Uh, easy to do uh, a live interview face-to-face and I have a massive appreciation for sound engineers now having uh, done a couple of episodes this way. Um, So with anything in person it's less controlled than a uh, online um, interview so you know there's this rustling of paper Uh, I think I knocked a uh, a slat off the chair I was sat on uh, on one point and then somebody started cutting a hedge outside um, and I've cut as much as that as I can out um, but uh, just bear with me when it comes to that sort of thing I'm sure the sound quality is is, is as good as it's going to get for now but as I said at the start of this it's my 30 second attempt you'd think I'd know what I was doing by now but um, but there we go so without further ado Let's do interview. Well, hello and welcome to the interview section of the Yorkshire Gamer podcast. And uh, in this episode, I've done that rare thing and I've actually gone on my bike and travelled to visit my guest. And that's something I haven't done since I visited Pete Morby of Elite Miniatures way back in episode nine. I've known my guest for many, many years, and even if you don't recognise the name, you will definitely have seen one of his many huge display games he has done and continues to do, uh, being involved in the UK war game show scene. We're sat here today in the lovely Yorkshire countryside in my guest's wonderful games room, surrounded by what I think is one of the best figure collections in the country. Um, there is plenty of war games history on these shelves around us today, and I'm sure we're going to cover some of that in the podcast. It's a great opportunity to chat with a great, genuine big game player and today talk about the joys of lugging tons of lead around the country to put great displays on for you and me. So let's uh, introduce our latest guest to the Yorkshire Gamer podcast and give a Big welcome to Chris Flowers. How are you doing, Chris? Very well, thank you. Excellent. Thank you for inviting me. No problems at all. Um, have you ever done a podcast before? No. 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 I have seen you um, as a tiny little disembodied head on some of Ken Hadding's uh, videos. Yeah, that, that was Ken dragging me into the 20th first century. Um, yeah, it was, I found it very difficult, but I got used to it after a while. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, was, it was most disconcerting for me watching it on television to, to see this tiny head in the middle of the room, and I recognise that. Many people reckon that's the best way to see me. Do they? Do they? Yes. Well, very easy to cut me off. Excellent. Well, this, this one's an audio podcast, so we don't have to look at... The, we that's look fair. at each other, but the guests don't have to so Fine. that's probably that's good. probably the best thing um so what the first thing that we do um with any of the guests on the show is uh, we just get them to do what we call the four minute challenge and um that's just a little brief introduction of yourself uh, summarizing um how you got into the hobby 
and uh, where you are up to the current day. And then we'll delve into bits of that as uh, as the interview progresses. So I can see you've got some notes. So uh, are you ready to go, Chris? I'm ready to go. Yeah, Excellent. Right. Okay. I shall I shall press the go button and uh, begin. Right. Um, I, I was very lucky. I was brought up on on service bases, air force bases. So immediately, I was, if you like, surrounded by real soldiers, yeah. and real air force, and also um, to some degree, some of them actually did play with soldiers. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, mm. and their children did as well. So I really started wargaming probably in the very late fifties. Yeah. Um, very little in the way of rules, mostly matchsticks with yeah. uh, Britain's guns and blow the heads off the toys. <laughs> uh, now looking back on those toys, I think God, how much would they have been worth? We hadn't blown oh, yeah, the heads off. I know it's terrible, isn't it? Um, and, and so we, ca- we carried on that, we carried on doing that. We actually were slightly influenced by H.G. Wells' Little Wars. Mm, yeah. um, there must have been rules around in the 50s and 60s, but mm. I'm not really conscious of them, to be honest. Yeah. So I carried on doing that. And then um, from, from the early 60s to the early 70s, um, I didn't walk in at all. Yeah. It was wine, beer and song. Excellent. And um, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, had a good time. Um, and then finally, mostly for a woman, I moved to, moved to Birmingham. Mm. Uh, in the very early 70s. And that really changed my life because I went to a wargaming club, night school, mm. of all things. Oh, right. Yeah. Absolutely. In the Dame Elizabeth Cadbury School. Oh, sounds nice. I know. It's very yeah, posh, yeah. isn't it? Very, very posh. And it was ran by a guy called H. I don't know his rest of his name. Yeah. And when I've talked to a couple of the other sods recently, neither do they. So but anyway, he mostly was into Napoleonics. He, he was using wargame research rules mm. with good old Finch pellets. Fantastic, Excellent. great stuff, and we really got into it. He taught us to paint. Um, he taught us to um, to base models and how mm. to play properly. Um, and we went used to trot down to the local store in Harborn yeah. and buy minifigs and buy yeah. Hinchcliffe. In retrospect, now they were pretty crude, but they weren't then. They were really special for us, yeah. you know. And so I didn't really go in. I didn't, hadn't really ever done the airfix bit. I just yeah. went straight to metal. And we carried on like that for a while. There's a group. And in 1978, we formed Sods, when Sods really came about. Yeah. Myself and a number of other guys, a guy called Tony Russell, another one called mm. Tony, Roger Goldman, and one or two others. And um, we just started initially as just a friendly group. Um, in fact, in another guy, a guy's um, garage, which he'd converted into Wargames mm. Room. And we also, around about that time, maybe a little bit later than that, got into Grand Manor. Now, I can't tell you how. I have no <laughs> idea how it happened. And there are many people who think, you know, it was the devil's invention. Yeah. And therefore, <laughs> but, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was great. It changed the way we played. It changed the way we thought. Uh, we all went up one day, uh, one, I think it must have been Saturday or Sunday, to the Wargame Centre and saw this wonderful terrain. Peter Gilder, a yeah. great man, a man who's very rarely talked about nowadays, mm. except by people like myself. Probably the father of, of um, Napoleonic wargaming mm. in many ways. And in fact, lots of other more wargaming. Um, and we went up to see it, looked at it, thought, this is fantastic. But we could take this round the shows. And we chatted to him and he sort of said, do what you like. Yeah. So we uh, we put together a game called Dormagen, which was based on simply the uh, Waterloo going the other way and the battle from there. Yeah. And we took it around all the shows in round about 83, 84, um, starting in Birmingham, which was our home base. And then we went on from there to all over yeah. the place. Won loads of awards, but that wasn't really the thing because we were doing sculpted terrain. Mm. And people don't realise in those days that yeah. sculpted terrain... Yeah, it's like, 30 seconds. Oh, right. So that, that sculpted <laughs> terrain was really not very common in those yeah. days. So anyway, accelerating. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, we then did um, war games all the way through under, under the Sod's name. 
and most, and also then with Van Bramley Barn, yeah. mostly Napoleonic, and then gradually I widened my own interests: Napoleonics, Ancients, ACW, World War Two, Cold War. Yeah. So now we can then talk further on it. Brilliant. Di Regan from the Sweeney there. Was that good? Was that okay? That was good. That you was had great. to accept it tiny, but actually it was okay. I was on the thin bit there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always an awkward one because you're, you're trying to cover a huge amount in a very short Well, somebody my age, <laughs> particularly. I mean, you, it's all right, you can be, I mean, I'm 74. Yeah. You know, I've yeah. had a lot of wargaming. Yeah, oh, exactly, exactly. But there's, there's, there's plenty of, of, of time yeah. throughout the course oh, of the yeah. next yeah, couple of hours go back to, over stuff, to, can't to cover all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you were saying before we started this that uh, you, as a as a child on the airbase, yes, you you kind of met some interesting characters even as a small boy. So yes, who yeah. do you, well, we dro- might, na- drop some names: Douglas Bader, Douglas we'll Bader, yeah. yeah, two or three other fighter races. I, I yeah. think possibly Johnny Johnson. I'm not sure, wow. but I think so. Yeah. Uh, my father wasn't wasn't air crew, but a lot of his friends were air crew, um, and so we used to meet. I mean. Used to come to the house occasionally and that sort of thing, yeah. and also used to go to the officers' mess. The the truth is, I was a little boy, so I say I met them. Yeah. They would have no idea who I was. Yeah. I just looked upon them with sort of deep adoration, you know, because I knew who they were, and it was yeah. just amazing. And so I think that probably made gave me a real feel of um, the, the, what people were like. It, it made me put face and reality. Yeah. Yeah. So something that in the long term then became a hobby. Yeah. If you understand me. Yeah. yeah. And so I, and people talk about wargaming and say, well, wargaming is a very serious business and all that. Of course it isn't. It's just a really good hobby. Yeah, it is. It's not life or death. Yeah. And, and had your father been involved in the war? Yes, my, fa- my father had been in the Air Force um, right from 1937. He was born in Pateley Bridge, yeah. believe, believe it or not. Ah, Joined sure, in 37, it? I think, or 38. Yeah. Um, he was at his, his highest, finest moments. He went into... Um, in, uh, into uh, Normandy in three, three or four days after D-Day mm. as a forward air, air observer. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So and so when I used to talk about it, occasionally wargaming wise, I used to say, no, it wasn't like that. No, it really wasn't like <laughs> it at all. You know, and I used to say things like, well, you know, you, you obviously, you know, you saw these aircraft attacking and all this sort of stuff. He said, no, yeah. you never saw anything. You just saw a big bang and whoop. And, yeah. and actually his worst moment was um, he was um, doing whatever they used to do with, with another guy, the radio operator. Mm. And the guy who used to drive the van was out the back. And luckily, he'd gone off into the woods to do something that one does. Yes. When the American Thunderbolt took the vehicle out. Oh, God. God. <laughs> he said that was the nearest he ever came to dying. Yeah. Oh, my word. <laughs> I know. Um, so he wasn't too impressed. Yeah. And and do you think that that um, involvement with the military at the early age was kind of how you got into sort of yes. soldiers? Yes, I- I'm sure of it. You see, because we all had... Um, well, most of us, all the people there at the school and actually on the base all had military parents. Yeah. Mostly Air Force, the odd soldier, the odd army. Um, we all had um, toys, which are, yeah. you know, which we played with. We all had military toys. We all yeah. had dinky toys and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And yeah, we did a lot of, uh, lot of playing. I mean, um, and, and we really enjoyed it. It was really good fun. Um, and it wasn't really until I went off to boarding school. And, mm. and, and really, at that point, it was a bit dislocated because they, yeah. didn't, they didn't have a war games club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it gave me the love of the whole thing. And funny enough, I went back to it. Um, I did a demonstration game at Newark, a Cold War game based in 1960-something, 60, and everybody laughed at me, and I said, well, it's because I was there. You know, I actually yeah. know what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> you have memories of I have memories of the yeah. trucks driving around and the soldiers on the corners and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's, yeah. It's, it's good to see because I know I've got friends, for example, who are farmers, yes. and their kids have farm toys. Yes. So for a military child, yes. 
from a military family to have yes. it just makes perfect yeah. sense, doesn't yeah. it? And I look back at all those Britons, as I said, you know, thank yeah. God. There'll you be know. a few quid there. There was gone. a few quid, yeah. And I mean, not only that, because you used to move house every couple of years. I think yeah. all, those gar- all those gardens full of ancient dinky toys, yeah. which we just got lost there. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to them, I have no idea. You know? so. And that your first introduction yeah, we talked you talked um about the you know the firing matchstick stage and, yes and yes what yeah. can you remember your first actual in inverted commas proper war game yeah i think probably it was probably it was almost certainly world war Two stuff yeah because you know we, we're talking now when we were in germany when i was in germany it was from 56 to 57 59 yeah. yeah so it was still very fresh you know the germans um the military wasn't didn't even exist when we first went out, um, and so yeah, I mean we we played with um, tanks and things, and yeah, we actually had basic rules, but I don't know really how we came about those rules. Yeah. It's all faded <laughs> a bit of mist now. Yeah. Um, as I said, H. G. Wells certainly had an influence on us, yeah. but I don't certainly don't know any more than that really, except yeah. for the fact I can remember um, talking about. Um, um, centurions firing at something. The only thing you could do is you could buy um, some German toys in those yeah. days in the German shops, mm. and so we. And though they were very denazified, they were genuinely yeah. German tanks yeah. and things. Yeah. And so I suppose at that point we started to think about that and to do it. I think you mentioned earlier on before we started that there was a few German veterans kicking around. There were, as yeah, well. there were. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember exactly when the German air force was reconstituted. I think it was 58 or 59, yeah. and I mean. I remember my father, who, who brought home a guy who he was a very who became a very good friend of his, mm. who had actually been in the Luftwaffe and, and had flown many missions yeah. and shot down probably quite a few British <laughs> aircraft. But they were all friends, and I think yeah. there was no, there didn't seem to be any animosity between them all. I think they all, um, you know, I think they all sort of basically got on well and yeah. seemed to get on very well. Um, I think because they had common experience and because yeah. it wasn't quite the same as slogging away and having people shooting bullets at your head. Yeah, and I think it's it's a nice thing to see, and I've seen it in numerous videos of, mm. of, of veterans from both sides. So I was watching a naval one recently. Um, they've had that common experience yes. and they're, yes. they're able to see past the hatred towards each other at the time and yes. you know we're trying to kill each other here yeah to yeah. it's all over yeah. now i remember one of my friend's fathers who was sorry my father's friends rather mm. who um it's one of my father's friends who i remember him saying that actually that their common enemy was actually the aircraft yeah you know, because <laughs> you know, because a lot of the time it was actually hard work you yeah. know and yeah. people always think you know it's all wonderful you just took off and yeah. it regularly used to crash and taking off it yeah. regularly had problems you know like fuel and things yeah. you know yeah. and so your guns jammed right at the moment when you thought it wasn't you know the worst yeah. possible moment so i think well, we you know, blame the blame the equipment blame, blame the equipment blame the equipment, yeah, blame the equipment. Yes, yeah, absolutely <laughs> well i didn't know enough to argue at that point yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. um and we'll we'll talk about in, in a great deal of detail about you know the, the big games and yeah. everything as we go through the course of the day um, but uh, I always like to talk at this point with people about how they game at the moment and um, we're sat here in your <laughs> wonderful gaming room um, which uh, unfortunately is uh, is we, we're not a visual podcast so no. uh, so could you just describe to the listeners your yeah. kind of setup here? Yeah okay um, it's a big double garage yeah. um, I've got a 16 by 6 foot table which um, I can, which basically I've got a back table as well if I want to use yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and I've got 
um, in excess of 23,000, depending on it, figures. Yeah. And a large number of other figures as well. Yeah. My principal areas of interest are ancients, which is actually on this oh, table. Yeah, we've got a big now. ancient games on the yeah, table now. Which, is on yeah. the, which, um, you know, which I'm you know, obviously very much into. Um, Napoleonics itself, ACW. World War Two, which I've got yeah. a very large collection of, and also, funny enough, Cold War, nineteen forty-six to seventy, because yeah. because once you get into the anti-tank guided missile, you know, beyond the original ones that used to veer all over the place and blow yourself up, they were they were not so interesting. So, and I play on a Thursday with a small group of guys. I'm yeah. very very lucky. I've got a, a group of, including myself, of ten guys who I've yeah. known now. Many of them I've known since I've been in in um, Yorkshire, which is probably now thirty odd years, and um, we play. They play almost everything. Well, every Thursday I'm here. With um, and we play sometimes on Sundays. Yeah. And the Sundays is a different group. So Thursdays is what I think most people recognise as classic wargaming. It's big games um, modulated by a series of rules that we all know. Yeah. Some like, some don't like. Mm, yeah. So Hell Caesar, yeah. Grand Manor, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but on Sundays, we tend to do different things. So, for example... At the moment, we're working our way through uh, Roger Castle's um, Russian Civil War, and we're playing. We're going to play a big game here. Yeah. We've been playing small games at, 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 the, at Steve Shan's house, and now we come here to play yeah. that. And so, I tend to open it for things that we don't normally yeah. play. And the group is quite different. Few people who bleed over the Thursday <laughs> games, but the age of the guys who, who we, I play with on Thursdays is probably sixty. Yeah. 65. Um, whereas the ones on Sundays is probably more like middle 50s. Is that irrelevant? I think it probably is. Yeah. Because when we, when, when the older guys, Mia being one of them, yeah. really don't, really didn't grow up with these really mm. very clever saga and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, all the other very good, quick rules. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I don't know half the bloody names now, but <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I yeah. played most of them yeah. sometime or yeah. other. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's changed the way that the, the, the hobby works. So, yeah. so really, Thursdays are classic, yeah. classic war game. Some of the stuff, you know, you probably recognise just like that. Some of you go, my God, no, please, not that What's again. That? What's that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then some of it, as I said, on Sundays, there's some really quite strange stuff. We did Baron's War, or we have yeah, done, yeah. we do El Cid. Yeah. Um, Jerry Miller's got a very good El Cid set up. Yeah. Um, and we just try and do things that are completely different. Yeah. And occasionally I throw in things like this Sassanid Roman game yeah. to the guys who play on Thursdays. Yeah. And that requires them to play Hell Caesar. For them, is like it's almost, it's very close to Hell because yes. it's very close to, Grand, to um, Black Powder. And most of them, for various reasons, don't like Black Powder. Yeah. And, and therefore, so I, we told them with Hell Caesar first and then you tell them it's to do it. Yeah, black powder. I think I think black powder is is uh, very much like marmite. It is. These very people who are yeah. down the middle it's yeah. either. Oh yeah, yeah the great. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I'm unfortunately I'm probably in the not great fan of yeah. of yeah. straight black powder. Yeah, but I've played black powder with a number of alterations, such as Hell Caesar, yeah. and I can't argue it's very clever. Yeah. My only real hatred, or not hatred, but area of I don't really enjoy much is card driven mm. games. I struggle with card giving, um, and that's that's my age. And the only other thing I don't play, by the way, is science, is science fiction space. Not had a go at that. No, no I've mean, had a go. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've had a go, but yeah. it's just not me. You could be very polite and say that um, the Sunday lot don't go to church. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think many of the thirsty lot do either. They're not, actually, they're no. Not. I no. Was... Well, certainly Malcolm Taylor doesn't. <laughs> no, he'd, he'd be a Saturday man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but no, you're right. I think you're absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah and I think you're absolutely right. And so, so here we are sitting in the room. I told you about the table. Mm. I've got a vast amount of buildings. I was very, very lucky to know a guy called Mike Saul. Yeah. who I, many people who've listened to the podcast will remember, will know. Yeah. He used to make fantastic handmade buildings. Yeah. Um, and behind me also, I blow the figures. Yeah. And um, I've got them in 20 mil and 28 mil. Yeah. And so I've augmented them with a number from Steve Shan. He's done a few as well. Yeah. Because I'm a great believer that a game is as good as the terrain it's played on. Yeah. That's very yeah. true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. And if you, if you can get good buildings, good trees, good terrain... And actually, this game we've got on the table here is the first time I've ever, I have ever used um, a mat. I've never used a mat before. Yeah. And now I'm sort of thinking, oh, you know, I've got all these great lumps of bloody terrain, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> weigh a half a hundred weight, and yeah. I'm getting a bit older now. Yeah. You know, maybe I should be thinking about getting some war mats in different colours. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've gone down the mat route for that very reason, <laughs> yeah. that very reason. Yeah. I'm, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about carrying these sorts of oh, stuff around. We certainly will, yeah. yeah, certainly. yeah <laughs> that's certainly. De- that's yeah, definitely certainly. going to come up. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about your collections in detail yes. uh, later on in the... Uh, yeah. But um, we've got a big wall full of <laughs> shelves of... Yeah. of uh, of figures, um, and uh, I seem to remember um, back in your previous house in Harrogate. Um, did you have some problems with the ceiling because of the weight of figures? No, that was actually this house. Was that this, this house? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. We, we moved we, when we first came here. Uh, we were originally going to play um, in the two bedrooms at the end of the of the barn. It's yeah. an old barn. It's built yeah. four four hundred years ago, and um, I was all set to sort of put the table in and everything. And the builder said, because I, I got a guy to put build it and and take down the wall between the two bedrooms. So I thought my wife was yeah. very reasonable. Yeah, don't yeah, you? yeah, it's very, very good. Very yeah, good. very fair. He said to me, "What are you going to do?" So I said, "I'm going to put this big war games table on." He said, yeah. "Well, how much do the figures weigh?" Yeah. So I said, "I don't really know. I suppose it might be half a ton." Yeah. He said, you're not going to put those up there without me putting steel <laughs> in the roof, in the floor. So he put two bleeding great big steel beams in. And now, of course, I don't play there anymore. Yeah. By God, it's a good place to sleep. I don't have any very fat friends. But I yeah, did it that would be the place It would be the place to go. Yes, absolutely. You're the second person. Um, um, we, we, I think with big gamers, we do get tend to get a little bit of a trend on the podcast. And uh, people... Moving out and getting their own games room is one, yeah. and uh, people having problems with floor strength is yes. another one. Yes, uh, yeah. so it's great to hear somebody else yeah. has, has yeah. had that yeah. particular yeah. thing. Yeah, and th- this floor is, this of course, is insulated because there's nothing worse than wargaming with cold feet. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and with this wonderful setup, then um, you, you've not really gone into the club scene too much since you've I've had never, this? I've never really, with the exception of sods. I'm, I, right. I'm not... I, I, my job was always highly sociable. Yeah. I had to... I was in various positions in, in operations, dealing with large numbers of people. Um, I'm not a great, great lover. Groups of people, um, <laughs> unless I know them well. Right, yeah. I, I'm yeah. reasonably... Though people don't believe it, I'm a fairly private person. So if you want to come play here, you get recommended and yes. we meet you and we yeah. decide whether we like you or yeah. not. And, um, and, and, and it's not anything to do with anything other than I'm just not particularly, 
I like, I'm very choosy about who I play with. And I have belonged to clubs. I didn't actually belong to Leeds. For and I think, as I said to you earlier on, I, I did, I, we did a war game there, a demonstration game there, sort of 83, 84. So yeah. it was really in the early stages. Yeah. Um, and I, I did belong for a short period to South London Warlords, very, yeah. very short period. Yeah. And I belonged to a club down in Swindon. But really, Solders was the only thing I really belonged to pro- really properly. Yeah. And that was because it was a group of friends. It wasn't yeah. really a typical club, if you understand. I mean, you've got here all the um, benefits of the club, uh, of, of being in the yeah. club, yeah. with the added advantage uh, of being able to leave things set yes. up and having... Yes. Everything immediately to hand, yes. which makes a, yeah. it makes a massive And there are very few clubs, and there are actually there are more clubs than people realise that do actually have that. I mean, like Leeds, yeah. there's obviously that one over in Bloomsbury, and the two yeah. or three others like it, but there are a lot that aren't. Yeah. A lot have to set up in the church hall or a hall of some description. And so you, you, if you set it up, it's got to be up for two days. If you want it up for two days, then you've got the risks of the figures and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And it, and it restricts the way that you can game as well. It does. It? Yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it does make you, uh, it's, it's also a social gaming. I always say to people, this is social gaming. We start at 10 o'clock in the morning, but actually we don't. We start at past yeah. 10 by the time yeah. we all had a coffee and said hello lunch is anything from depending on how exciting it all is it's anything from half an hour to an hour and a half yeah, yeah depending on the political situation and how entertained we are yes. generally <laughs> and then and then finishing any time from half three to half four and it's yeah. social it's yeah. actually so i like all the people i play with yeah they're very I, different uh, yeah. but i like them yeah i think that's a that's a, a great way of, of, of thinking about yeah. the game as a social thing it is um not saying that you're old, you've given your age. I don't mind being old. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what what uh, could summarise what you think are the, are the main changes over the hobby since you've you've been involved? Well, the, the first step has to be the miniatures themselves. Yeah. There, there is such a... Uh, when I think about the minifigs I started with yeah. and, and the Hinchcliffe I started with, yeah. which were the, the epitome of the best figure in yeah. those days, never mind things like Hinton Hunt and that sort of stuff as yeah. well. Um, I mean, apart from tradition which were quite outstanding sculpts. Yeah. Most of it was fairly basic. Um, and also, it wasn't greatly painted. Very hard work getting the uniform detail. And yeah. it's gradually changed. Now the figures are beautiful. They're lovely anima- animations. Yeah. Um, there are some great figure manufacturers out there. And, and, and you know people like Perry's, people like Pete Morby and mm. Elite. Loads and loads of them. Yeah. Um, the, the, so, uh, so you've got all these great figures produced for us. Never mind the internet. There's, there's hundreds of good books about yeah. about the, the, yeah. the uniforms and things. Uh, and then you've got the internet as well. Yeah. So if you really want to know what the turn back colour for the third Croatian <laughs> regiment was in 1813, you can look it up and find it. Yeah. If you know where to look. Um, so that's a big change. And I think it changed slowly but surely. Peter Gilder drove it in a big way with Connoisseur. Yeah. Without any question at all. He was one of the big changes one of the big moments i mean he did american civil war he did polionic i think he did ancients as well i never i didn't do ancients in those days um but he those figures were beautiful and they spawned a lot of other figures Mm. there are other people doing figures alongside um garrison and one or two others like that so the figures improved and improved and improved because of the information on painting the quality of the painting got better and better The modern artists, of which I number you as well, are they're really, yeah. really good. Yeah. And when you look at things that somebody like um, Doug Mason yeah. or Pete Royal or, or even Steve Shannon at his best, yeah. I mean, because he, he's you know really good painter, yeah. they're outstanding. They're so yeah. much better. 
the only bad thing is now I'm getting old, I can't see the detail anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so I think that's really, and, and I also think 28 mil was, was the big thing. Then we went yeah. into the 15 for a period. Yeah. I never did. I just carried on doing 28. Yeah. And then, then, and then that sort of almost excluded 28 mil for a while. Mm. And then we moved, or 25 mil. Then we moved on into, yeah. to a range of different sizes, yeah. 6 mil and all that sort of thing. And I think it all changed the way people thought. The other biggest difference, I think, is that when I was, when I started, and for many years when I was doing it, if mm. you wanted to do a game, it took you a long time to research it. You do a lot of research. Mm. You had to get the army list right. Yeah. Um, people knew a lot about it as well. So yeah. if I did a demo game, people would come and ask me about the army list, and they'd yeah. talk to me about it and say, well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? Yeah. There is a tendency now for, 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 for it to be available, a lot of spoon-fed stuff. Now, I don't know whether that's good or bad. It's mm. good because it brings in the youngsters. Yeah. I'm not so sure it's I read things on the internet and I see things like people saying, Well, you know, and how many and how many figures should I have in my French infantry battalion and what colour is that? Yeah. I'm thinking, no, come on. Yeah. Come on, guy. You know, <laughs> that's straightforward. I don't mind I mean I've asked a lot of questions myself, you know. Yeah. What 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 was the turn back colour for the Illyrian regiment? You know, because <laughs> how the hell do you find out? But but I do think so I do think it's it was much harder work. That's not to say it was better. It was just different. Um, and I remember doing research for big games. Mm. And we did a lot of big games. And spending a lot of time, a lot of effort, having to work out what yeah. the hell was there. And the, uh, the other thing was the availability of the range of figures. Yeah. If I want something now, whether it's a Hessian or whether it's, um, you know, whether it's, um, I don't know, just a standard Frenchman, yeah. they're all available. Yeah. They're all there. Everything's available. Yeah. And, and there are and the small companies making everything. In the days when I was doing, uh, certainly in the, in the 80s and probably most of the 90s, mm. you had to do a lot of converting, a lot of yeah. painting, a lot of changing of things to get what you actually wanted. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. So that's really the big change. Yeah. It's, it's still got the fantastic hobby that it is. Yeah. People still get enthusiastic. People still love it. But it's, I think it's slightly more... Maybe slightly more technocratic as well. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can see what you're saying there. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Cool. Cool. The final section of the first part of the podcast, uh, we talk about something called the Venn diagram of wargaming. Oh, right. Okay, so I'm going to take you back to your early maths lesson. Oh, dear, they're pushing me now, mate. <laughs> That's a bloody long time ago. A long ago. time ago. Um, so I've divided uh, the hobby up into four different sections. Go That's wargamer, yep. painter, yep. collector, and historian. Yep. So how do you see those four parts of the hobby fitting together for yourself? Right. Well, for me, I'm not a painter. Yeah. I explained, I think, earlier on, yeah. I never was a great painter. And yeah. I have to say that because <laughs> some of the people who listen to this know that. Yeah. Um, I had a, unfortunately, I had a detached retina in, in, in 89, and that finished off my career. Yeah. And I had no wish to go back and paint, really. Yeah. So, so I'm not a painter. But that doesn't mean that I don't um, have loads of books about uniform colours and things. Yeah. So I do have. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But I see them, for me... It's the history. History. I've got a very substantial uh, library of books which I, mm. you know, which I keep, which I've had for many, many years. Yeah. Some of them very good books. So the history starts it for me. Then it's the collecting of the figures yeah. to do whatever it yeah. is, yeah. and then it's the playing. Now I'll give you an example if you'd like me to. Yeah, sure. Um, right, let's take Leipzig. Yeah. Now next year is 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 Leipzig. Yeah. It is. Yes. 1813. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 2023, 20, but yeah. you know, it's it's a narrow. Yeah. So um, I I have. A lot of Napoleonic figures, but I spent a while in in the last two years mm. looking at my forces, looking at the gaps, and going, if I want to do a game with a level of 
reality to it. And I mean, and that's not reality in real reality. Yeah. It's reality yeah. as in looking at the table. Um, then I need some of this or I need some of that. Yeah. Now, somebody once said to me, no, you don't need, it's want. And of course, he's right. Yeah, he's absolutely yeah, yeah. right. But I think I think everyone listening to this will know that it yeah, really is yeah, need. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll give you a really good example because you've actually seen it in action. Yeah. Um, I have a um, Zastro, Zastro Carassius Saxons, yeah. and I also have Garden Corps, yeah. which I was using, which I've used for Borodino, yeah. had, and the Russian campaign. Yeah. When you get to 1813, the Garden Corps had gone. They went back, to, yeah. went back, and and they were replaced by the lead Carassius. Yeah. Now, a lot of people would simply use I'm a I'm just mad. I mean people call me a maniac. So I've just recently got one of my friends, Jerry Miller, yeah. to paint me and convert a beautiful unit, a beautiful regiment yes. of Lieb Carassius. Mm. So I can put And they are beautiful. I've yeah. seen them. I, I, I can agree with that. Thank you. And, 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 but you know, do I need them? No, of course I don't. Yeah. Was anybody ever would anybody ever come up to the table and say, My goodness, you shouldn't have those on the table? Well, actually, they might. We'll talk about that later. Uh, yes, yep, yep. <laughs> now, those people are out they there. Do they, they do exist. They do exist. Yeah, they do exist. So I think that's really my, I think that's me. That's yeah. my, um, I mean, I will spend hours um, researching um, battles, researching the army lists for my own library, mm. um, all the way through to the internet, Yeah. to make sure the composition is correct, to make sure that... Um, and also, of course, you have to scale it. You know better than yeah. anybody does because yeah. you do them as well. Yeah. It's all about scale. You know, you can't just take um, the figures and go, okay, we'll just divide it by 10% or 25, 50%. Because if you do that, then you end up with some beautiful units you'd like to use. You can't use. So you end up fiddling the system to make it so you can yeah, use. Exactly. You know, and we've all got our favorite figures we yeah. must use. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. So, of course we are. Yeah. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Perfect. Um, could you, could, is there, obviously, we can't deny you're a collector. I'm sitting in front of all these huge <laughs> trays of figures. Um, but if if you didn't game, do you think you would still collect and read the history? Is it a complete circle? It's a very interesting question. Yeah. Very, very interesting uh, question. I did the history yeah. always. Yeah. I've always been interested in military history. Again, of course, it has to come back to my father and the, yeah. and, and his friends and yeah. the fact that, you know, the, and so I started obviously with histories of the Second World War and histories of the Battle of Britain and the histories of the Air Force. Um, but then I've moved into, uh, particularly, I, I had a, a friend at school, um, in Larbrook who was, a, whose father was a major in the army. And he'd been in the Second World War as well, yeah. and I think he, I think he was something like one of the Lancer regiments, yeah. which I have yeah. no knowledge of which one it was. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, and and so he was very, very much in touch the army, the British army, and yeah. what they'd done. Mm. And he converted me to reading a lot about that. So I became yeah. really interested. Yeah. So I would have done the history for certain. Would I have collected the figures? Do you know? I have no idea uh, because yeah. it never ever really became a. I never really, it's never a question yeah. I ever really got into yeah. because I was doing the history and then as I explained, I went and started wargaming and then of course the figures come next. So I don't know. Um, I like having my own figures. Um, yeah. I love going and playing with people's figures. Um, I have some friends who have some, friends have loads of wonderful figures of other periods, which mm. I love. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I really admired your Italian Wars collection, yeah. as I think I said yeah. to you at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful figures and I love looking at them. But I'm not going to collect them anymore. No, I'm not changing. I'm not doing any more. Yeah, um, if you can understand that. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> we, we, we reached that period where there isn't another huge no. project. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't have a. I don't have any intention at all. So yeah. I think the answer to your question is I really don't know. 
Yeah. I, I, I just don't think I would just have put them on a table, put them on the wall and just had them get collecting dust. I don't yeah. think. There's a joy in the gaming. There is. I love, I do like playing. Though people will criticize, well, criticize me, comment. I don't play that much. I, I tend to do a lot of refereeing and game setting yeah. up, but I do get to play. Excellent. You know, Excellent. so I do play and I love playing. And in fact, I've played a lot more in the last three or four years. Mm. There's a couple of the guys who come here now mm. who have games. Um, this guy called Richard Lawrence who's introduced me to all sorts of things like Clash of Eagles and things, yeah. which I've never played before yeah. in my life, which I've yeah. really started enjoying. Yeah. And Roger, I've always played, and Steve yeah. Shannon's got a small game at yeah. his table, so I go over and play with them. And I'm playing yeah. things I've never played with sharp practice yeah. and that sort of stuff. Does that make sense? That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for that. That's a great introduction. Um, we shall draw a, a short break for our audience, and we'll come back in a second with the second part of the show, which is about big gaming. Okay, we're back for our second part of uh, the podcast, and uh, regular listeners will know it's the big game section, and uh, we've got the right man here, and uh, we're going to talk about his big games later on in the show, in the big topic, Um, but uh, the first question that we always ask our guests in this particular part is, what does a big game mean to you? Um, Right, it's... um... It's a way of displaying the hobby mm, yeah. in, as best you can. We've always tried to do it using existing wargaming terrain mm. and figures yeah. and, and buildings and things. So it's, it's, uh, it's aimed to show people how to, what you can achieve using stuff yeah. that's being played on a regular basis. That's the first thing. So if you like, it's a display window. The second is to give people the opportunity to talk about it. And the more they talk about it, the better. Now, as people who know me at all well will know, I have always been the face of the hobby, I, yeah. of, of, the, yeah. of the games. Yeah. I always tend to walk up and down talking to mm. people. And, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to explain to people um, why we're, what we're doing, why we're doing it, mm. where they can get... And you get simple questions like, where do I buy that? Where do yeah. I do this? Where do I do that? And of course, as long as you've been around a reasonable period of time, you know the answers yeah. to all those questions. Yeah. And if you don't know the answer, one of your guys do, does. Yeah. Yeah. And even the ones who sit with their backs to the audience, with their head <laughs> on the table, yeah. if you, I think we both know what yeah. we're talking yeah. about, um, you can still get them to get quite excited about mm. how, to pay, how to dry brush if you give them a chance to. So that's a really important aspect of it. Mm. Um, and I think probably... It, it's really just, and also there's also an opportunity to show history. So I'm a Napoleonic buff. Mm. I think most people know that. Yeah. That's what I'm really into most. Um, and so for me, it's like showing people how you become, how, how Napoleonic wargaming looked, how it mm. played. Of course, it's not like it really was. We all know <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Apart from anything else, they didn't march around in the uniforms. They yeah. were all beautifully painted in. Yeah. Um, and also lots of heads missing and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, the, nice, the <laughs> but, nicer side. Yeah, the nicer side. Yeah. So, but it's nice to do that. And also... It's, it's able you're able to do do historical games and able to explain how they fit into the overall picture. Um, so I think that's the main thing. And what then drives you as an individual to do big game rather than anything else? I've often wondered that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think initially um, that, that it was to achieve. Well, there has to be a little bit of vanity. Yeah, of and, course. And, and, and there's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I remember somebody writing on one of the Facebooks, you know, that yeah. these people who do demo games are a load of vainglorious bastards. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm a vainglorious bastard. Yeah. It's, it's really nice to put on a game which looks good, which has got your lovely figures on it, which people yeah. can say, you know, isn't nice. So that is, that's nice. Really, it's the rest of it that goes with it. And uh, you mentioned um, in the first part very much about 
friendship as being yes. part of that yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the days of the sod, we, they used to, we, when we did Sheffield Triples and Fiasco, mm. they used to come stay at my house. So I used to have, I mean, my, my wife is a saint. I mean, <laughs> when Sheffield Triples, we, we used to have like 10 people, 10, 12 people sleeping in the house. Yeah. You know, we used to go down the spacey houses, which is long gone. Yeah. Um, uh, and have a meal together. And, and, you know, we'd have people sleeping all over the place. Good friends and good company. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it does that as well. I think the other thing it probably does is keeps you in contact with your friends. Yes, it, it's. I went to Fiasco this year, as you probably know, and I yeah. didn't do a game there, which is yeah. the first time I haven't done a game there. I think since God knows when. And I actually found it quite difficult. I had to go and seek out people I wanted to talk to, rather than them coming yes, to you. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. And I did this game at Partizan, and loads of people I haven't seen for years came across to say hello mm-hmm. and talk to me, and yeah. and it's great. It's it makes so it makes you gives you a link if you like. There, there is a, a misconception, and I do believe it is a misconception, of um, people who do big games just being interested in the game and not talking to the crowds. And I think both of us yeah. um, I think we are both very do. much again, yeah. different to mm. that. And we, but we both have friends who probably are not so good at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay because the other, sorry, that, another thing which I, I don't really like desperately, mm. but I accept it happens, is I like to have the game play. The perfect game for me is a game where you've got an action. A two-day game is wonderful. You do a two-day game, you've got this wonderful situation where people roll up and you've got forces laid out. Mm. And I used to do them sometimes where you just actually turned over a sheet to show what period it was and therefore yeah. what time of the battle it was. Yeah. 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 And, also, and also what was actually happening in the real battle and what was actually happening. Yeah. And you get people come back and talk to you and go, you know, my God, you know, is that really happening? Yes, it has. Really, yeah. it has happened. Yeah, because it, it can be a difficult ball to juggle between having the game moving and keeping yeah. in with the with yeah. the people coming yeah. up and asking the questions. Yeah. I, I used to I used to say laughingly that I probably I must I used to give out sheets of paper like there were no tomorrow. Yes. In fact I mean <laughs> I mean I must have given hundreds of the bloody things out. Um, and I used to cover a lot of distance. There was but there was always there's always at least one other person in your group and sometimes yeah. two or three who will step in. And then there's also going to be two or three who are just going to make the gameplay. And if you let them get on and, make, and play the game, then you've got a game to show people. Uh, and the other point is, it's great to have a group of people. It's it's you can do it with two or three of you, yeah. but it's hard work. Yeah, you got you got ten people. You can have two or three, a couple of people talking to the public, and and then you also you try not to let people get. You know, one one of the problems of wargamers is occasionally mm. they take it too seriously. I mean, I'm sure we don't, but occasionally no. they do. <laughs> I'm sure other people uh, and, do. And, and, yeah, they do. <laughs> and and I mean, and I always remember this because I took my wife around the Birmingham. Um, Birmingham show, my present wife, present Mrs. Yeah. Mrs. Flowers, yeah. and um, we and, and she'd never been to a war game show, yeah. about war game at all. Took her around and people were talking to her, mm. and I was telling her how serious it was and how really really serious mm. it is. And we got to this ancient this game, this fantasy game, and there were two guys who looked as they were just about to take up, they were just about to hit each other. <laughs> Yeah. And she looked at them and said, what the hell's that about? And yeah. I said, I don't know. Yeah. And another guy said, I said, what, what's happening? He said, oh, well, he said, he's got a load of dwarfs and, um, yeah. and this, this guy's got a load of goblins and he's been turned into stone by the <laughs> wizard. And, this guy said, and Chris looked at me and went, you are kidding, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I got there, by the way, but it gives you an idea you know, of wargaming, doesn't it? That yeah. summarises it. Yeah. And so you have, to keep, you have to make sure that people understand that the public are there. And they, even if they, if they hate something, or they phone three ones again. Yeah, again, yeah. They've got to set, understand that they must not go. <laughs> That's yeah. me, expletive deleted. 
<laughs> we've talked, uh, you've mentioned the name a couple of times, and it's uh, we, we've done a whole episode on Peter Gilder. Yes. And um, it's, it's a name that will always crop up, I think, um, with us. So... Did you meet Peter? Yes. Yeah. So yes, well, just tell us your memories of. Uh, well, I mean, I, I wasn't. I, I didn't spend a great deal of time in his company. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not like a couple of the guys who play here, who played with him when they were schoolboys. Um, but I knew him to, to play with two or three times. He was yeah. a very. He was a fine war gamer. I mean, he cheated. Yeah. But then, come on, it was his bloody yeah. game. Why yeah. wouldn't he cheat? Yeah. Um, We've had some great cheating stories over the yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and I've seen him. I've seen him reduce one or two people to. Absolute rage, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he he his his he had this massive um, effect on the hobby because at the end of the day, he would talk to people about it. Mm. He was incredibly enthusiastic. He was incredibly knowledgeable, and he could do pretty much anything from yeah. making models. After all, people like Pete Morby, I believe, learned yeah. his trade yeah. from him, yeah. and a lot of other people like that. Um, but he but he also he built terrain, did all the things that we all like to be able to do. All yeah. the time. So yeah. he had a massive effect. Me, personally, I had a few... I had a bit of time with him. I spent a lot more time in the company of Mike Ingham from, yes, yes, from Peter. Yeah. And I knew Mike because he was a sod. Must be careful, I keep saying that, wasn't <laughs> I? Um, and so I knew Mike from that. And so Mike yeah. Mike picked it up and ran it with the same feel yeah. that Peter ran it. Yeah. And Peter did... I mean, he used to convert these games... He converted battle into a game. And, it, and he taught me a lot of... If you like, not deliberately, but he taught me a lot because he would take a battle... And he would end, and you'd end up with forces that you'd think, well, hang on, that's not quite right. He's missed off the seventh division and the eighth yeah. division, and what about? And then you'd realise it wouldn't be playable if you did that. He had an eye for making a game playable, and that's what it's about. Yeah. And you were involved, I believe, in the was it the hundred and seventy fifth? Yeah, it was the, the Waterloo game. Yeah. Yeah, when he was in his wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic. It was it was it was a mixed emotion game, very much so. I mean, because um, you knew he wasn't going to be very much around very much longer. I, I have yeah. no idea how long he. I think it, I think he died reasonably soon after yeah. that. I don't know exactly. Yeah. But he was still there and he was still playing and he was still you yeah. know involved and um, and he still made one or two rotten rulings. <laughs> <laughs> and he reduced one or two people, including Richard Harris, to a state of fury. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it what? What's your opinion on this this vicious, vicious rumor that Peter Gilder was a francophile and always ruled for the French? Is that true? I think it's. I think it has a, a certain degree of truth. Does it? I think it has a certain degree of truth. I, I think he. I think he possibly. I think. I think. I don't think he was one hundred percent a francophile. Yeah. But I think he was probably a fifty percent francophile. Yeah, there are a number fair. of. And if you use great grand manner, you do have to be a little careful. And if you use his rule, if you use, we, we've used his games um, as bases of games, yeah. and you do have to rebalance them quite often. Yeah, it, it seems to be French yes. guard lance is always yeah. going yeah. yeah. to get a massive bonus yes. for anything. Yes, yeah, and, and you, so you have to adapt to that. But everybody has their own bias. Yeah. I mean, I don't, of course, but if, no, um, of course. But if I did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure our listeners will uh, tell us if you do. <laughs> yes, they will. They will they undoubtedly will. so. Undoubtedly, yeah, undoubtedly so. Um, we seem to have. Not ourselves, but in the hobby, moved away somewhat from from the bigger games. Um, what do you think the barriers are to entry, if any? I think it's money. Money. Let's be frank about it. Yeah. I mean, we, we we touched on earlier on that I've got excess of twenty thousand Napoleonic metal yeah. soldiers. What are yeah. they worth? I've no idea. Yeah. How would you go about doing that again? Yeah. Would I do it again? No, I probably wouldn't. I'd do yeah. fifteen mil. You know, I mean, you just at the end of the day. Um, and by the way, that's an interesting point. Sorry, just an aside. It's about models. Mm. Now then, there's an interesting thought. 
I just said I would have gone 15 mil, didn't I? Yeah. I know. Yeah. So maybe it isn't the model. Maybe it's the wargaming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> That's a very interesting point, actually. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it before. It's like this is, this is like a free, a free wargaming therapy session. Really. Yes, it is. Isn't that's, it? What yes. It, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, people said to me, what did you do with it? house burnt down? I said, burst into tears. Yeah. And then after that, would I replace Napoleonic 28 mil? Probably not. Yeah. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Probably 15 it's mil. A, now. It's a big, I think um, it's a big lifetime project for yes. many people yes um and it can be quite difficult at an early age to see that potential yes. future and the future yes. growth in, yes. in doing stuff i think i i absolutely applaud um sharp practice mm. um command decision all, all those really clever games i know they've got a card essence to them therefore yeah. i'm going against what i said <laughs> but i still really like them yeah. um I'm absolutely, I really, really believe that they are the way to keep the youngsters in the wargaming. Because how can you expect somebody? I mean, it wasn't easy for us. I can't remember. I don't remember. I I remember my first mortgage was fourteen and a half percent. I think. Yeah. You know, and I guess you may well be similar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, so seven percent. God, you know, I wish I had seven (laughs) percent. And by the way, I used to push my bike up the hill with a a Hovis under my arm. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Sleeping sleeping in a cardboard box and that sort of rubbish. Um, But I think now, looking at it, I think the kids don't have the most disposable wealth they used to have. There are these wonderful plastic figures which I would never buy. Mm. But I absolutely applaud the fact that yeah. they exist. I think yeah. they're great. I've yeah. seen them around. Um, and I also see people using them with odd metal figures to give them weight, yeah. which I think is really clever. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the big, the big problem is really, at the end of the day, is money. And, and maybe also the, the, the modern uh, instant gratification. And I hesitate to say this, but it feels like that. And also, yeah. so, so, that, and so I think that's why, where you can buy everything out of a box... Yeah. I think I think we, I, we, it's something that we, I have discussed a couple of times where the deferred pleasure of building something over a period of time to reach an objective two or three years in the future mm. is maybe not how things work in general. I don't think it does. Yeah. And also, um, if you go in a pub now and you see two guys and two girls sitting at a table, mm. they don't talk much. They most look at the computer, yeah. their phones. Yeah. And so it's all things that don't go well with wargaming. Wargaming yeah. is about taking the piss out of each other, talking a lot, you know, interaction. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think, I think those, are the, those are the barriers. Yeah. So I think it's both society and money. But I think money is one of the biggest things. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I, we both know how much a figure costs. Yeah. We both know, you know, you paint your own, I get yeah. I mean, Steve Shanrock has bought his house twice. <laughs> I think I probably have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and so it's, it's a very expensive, isn't it? It's just well, a, he, yeah, Steve was telling me that he's building the Chris Flowers uh, East Wing. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm not surprised at all. No, I really would not surprised at all. I mean, so I mean, yes, he's really disappointed because now when when he wants to sell something, I go, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I don't need it anymore. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> oh no, no. Yeah, absolutely. So just to finish this uh, this section off. Um, if somebody, you know, you were putting a display game on somewhere and somebody relatively new to the hobby came up to you and said, that's a cracking looking game, Chris. How do I go about that with, without putting them off? <laughs> no, it, it, no, I try not to. It's one of the, one of the reasons we do demo games. Yeah. I think the starting point is do they belong to a club? Because for all the comments I made about clubs, yeah. they are where the world is. And if you can find a club with like-minded people, then yeah. you will war game much more happily than yeah. trying to do it at home. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Yeah. And I think, and because apart from anything else, 
um, if you find a good club, it'll also have a good set of rules. Mm. Or it'll have a set of rules. doesn't matter what they are. They have yeah. a set of rules. And once they do... So I, that's what I start with. You know, where do you come from? Mm. And I know quite a lot of the clubs. And if I yeah. don't know them, yeah. I, have said, you know, I say to them, well, you can find them by doing this or doing mm. that. Or occasionally, just once or twice, I've taken somebody's phone number and texted them where the club is. Not really? regularly, yeah. just a couple yeah. of times. Um, and then I say to them, well, you know, then, they, then we talk, I talk about, you know, what do you want to do? You know, and if they say, well, Napoleonic, you know, like you've got here, I tend to sort of just question them a little bit without them realising I'm doing it. <laughs> well, because people look at it and get, get carried away. Do they really mean it? You know, mm. um, in many ways, one of the things I used to detest but but I still recognise its value, is the old DBA and DBA. But they're small armies. And so, you know, if you get somebody who wants to war game, you can buy Romans and, what's it, 100 figures? Yeah. Less, less and you've got, and you got an army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got an army. Mm. So I tend to sort of just chat to people about what their expectation is. Yeah. Now, if, if, they, if it turns out that they are a merchant banker, then I say to them, well, it could be all yours for... <laughs> yeah, make them a sales pitch. <laughs> That's right. But, I mean, but, I mean you, you, have to, you have to decide what sort of people they are. I mean, if they're kids, I would encourage them to do something simple. Because apart from anything else, most wargamers, and I'm sure there are exceptions, yeah. there are exceptions I know, have a hiatus. Don't they? they have yeah. this gap when they get to the about 16, 15, 16, yeah. 14, whatever, however early they mature, yeah. to... End of end of children, first lot of children, end of first marriage, yeah. you know, all the other things that sort of go, you know, yeah. you know, and that's a lost bit of 10, 15 years. Yeah. You know. yeah. So if you're on that side of the 15 years, that's the right-hand side, yeah. then I'm you know, happy to talk to them about big games. And all yeah. that sort of. If they're on that side of the 15 years, the left-hand side, yeah. then I tend to say to them, well, why don't you go and look at, and why don't you look at things like, um, you know, sharp practice and that sort of thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that. That's uh, a, a, another great big game, games chat on tape. Um, and we're now going to move on to our favourite section for the uh, audience, if not for the guest. It's uh, our quiz. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back in the room. And uh, the regular um, disclaimer, this is not about how good a gamer you are. This is about how Yorkshire gamer you are. So you may get upset by some of the answers that you're about to hear. Please don't send me an email um, because I will probably ignore it. Um, because this is uh, us trying to have a little bit of fun uh, during 20 questions and uh, see how Yorkshire gamer people are. And uh, most of my guests have done reasonably well on, on, on here. Oh uh, Chris is looking a bit worried, uh, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you will do absolutely fine. Uh, and as always to people from outside Yorkshire, um, there is some uh, dreadful regional bias in some of these questions, and I am completely unforgiving in that. So, are you ready to go, Chris? I am. Um, most answers are either yes or no, or one or the other. So don't, <laughs> so don't give me any of that down the middle rubbish. We're, in, we're sat in Yorkshire, it's yes or no. So, question number one, go big or go home? Go big. Go big. Uh, you don't paint, so you might struggle with this one a little bit, but contrast paints, are they great or a gimmick? For what I've seen, them good. Okay, excellent. You're choosing a paintbrush. Uh, again, you don't paint, but would you choose Windsor & Newton or Yorkshire-made Pro Art? 
I'm sorry to say we're in Zoom Newton. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Well, you want the truth. Yeah, well, you're, you're losing your money there, son. You're sorry, losing your that's money. That's right. Made in Skipton. Made in Skipton. <laughs> um, question four. 96 figures. Would you consider that an army or a pipe block? A pipe block. pipe block. A small pipe block as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, a six by four table. Is that big or small? Small. Small. Um, you're preparing a game. Would you go for a points-based army or a historical order? Historical organisation. Excellent. Uh, another painting question, I'm afraid. Um, a wet palette or an old bit of MDF to mix your paint on? I'd paint terrain. Yeah. Old piece of MDF. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. That's what I like to hear. Um, if you were undercoating figures, or I'm a, I know you get painters to do stuff for you, do you prefer a black or a white undercoat? Generally a black. Generally. Generally. Excellent. Doing very well. Doing very well. Shaky start, but we've, we're recovering. We're recovering well. Um, you're offered a drink. Uh, would you go for Yorkshire tea or a dirty mucky coffee? Yorkshire tea. Yeah. Every time. Can you, can you sell the regional bias in some of these questions? Yeah, it's it's very cleverly disguised. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, question 10. Um, War games units. Um, if it's historically accurate, do you prefer them tightly packed or socially distanced? I personally like them tightly packed. Excellent, excellent. Nothing better than a tightly packed unit. Um, you've got a choice, a two-hour club game or a weekend monster game. Weekend monster, every yeah, time. Yeah, every time. Um, this is the uh, the Nick Skinner uh, question. Um, and uh, Oh, interesting, interested on your opinion on this one. Avocado, is it just posh, mushy peas? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> quite like avocado. You quite like avocado. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. I like mushy peas as well. Yeah, well, no, no, that's, fine. that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's um, fine. Question thirteen, and this this is what's currently known as the universal question, and everyone in all episodes has answered this one way. So there's no pressure on you here, Chris. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to rock the boat here. But we're, we're going to ask the question. Um, so that's round dice, spherical dice. Um, are they allowed or banned on your table? Um, the only thing, the only ones that aren't square, are a temp, are percent dice. So definitely no, 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 excellent, no, banned, no, banned, hundred no. percent. Yeah. Somebody tried to roll one on Sunday at Fiasco. Oh, right. Banned off the table. Very good, excellent off the table. Um, this question uh, comes from uh, David Marshall from TM Terrain. I know him well. Know, know yeah, him know well. him well. Um, and this is this is uh, uh, a, a choice of fish down the chippy. Do you have haddock or cod? I've had it. Haddock. And uh, old school, do you like a good table in a set of rules, like a casualty table or something along those lines? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Old school. Oh, I like Definitely. that. Old school. That's what we like to hear. Come on, Grand Manor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I don't think you're going to, looking at around the room, I don't think you're going to get this one wrong. Uh, 28 mil is king, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Um, unpainted miniatures allowed on the table, no. yes or no? Never, no. never. Excellent, that's what we like to hear. Uh, we're on the back end now, only three questions to go. Um, I'll just open my uh, jumper to reveal my Bradford City shirt for the next question. Uh, Bradford City or Leeds United? Harrogate. Hey! <laughs> Half a, half a point for being cheeky. Um, I don't think there's any doubt with this one either, and that is Yorkshire or the other place over the hill. Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Longton, Longton Cricket Club. Excellent. Yeah. 
And uh, question 20. Games Workshop, are they the work of the devil? Yes or no? I suspect they are. <laughs> they, 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 they've actually spawned some great people. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not keen on this style. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, that was a, a, another fun go through the 20 very questions. Good. Excellent. Um, and uh, just for that half point there, I gave you for the cheeky uh, Harrogate answer, um, 77.5% which is very, very reasonable cool. and it is, in my, is in my regular upper quartile of people who take that, that quiz. So cheers for doing that. Good, that's a pleasure. Um, and the final part of this third section is uh, something that we introduced uh, probably 10 or 12 episodes ago. And uh, I didn't think it would run for very long, um, but there are lots of things that people hate in our hobby. Um, and I know it's all inclusive and I know it's a broad church and I know, but, but there are things that individually niggle us. And that's kind of this little section here is just that place for people to vent and go, I really don't like this. So um, it's based around room 101, George Orwell's room of, of horror in which your deepest, darkest fears were placed. And it was turned into a TV show and uh, the guests would try and get the host to put their deepest darkest horrors into uh, the vault um so this is your chance chris to uh, get rid of a a couple i think you've got for us um of, of the things that have driven you mad in the hobbies over the years so so let's have your first one and well, let's let, see if you can let's, get it past let's me let's start with rivet counter rivet <laughs> yeah. um i have i as people know i have been doing war i've been doing demonstration games yeah. since god knows when and um the one thing that absolutely drives me Army yeah. is when people come along and they pick up without even asking normally anyway <laughs> something we've got on the table yeah. and they go did you realise they had this hasn't got enough buttons yeah or do you realise that this flag has got the fourth and it should be the fifth or yeah. did you realise those shield transfers aren't correct yeah now and actually the first time they do it yeah. they normally get away with it yeah. When they come back and do it again, it's touch and go where the unit they're holding goes. Yeah, yeah. So that's my first, and yeah. I really do dislike it. Yeah, greatly. now the, the, um, we've invented a phrase on on the podcast in relation to this, mm. and uh, many Americans will say, um, "This isn't my first rodeo," for you know responding to people who are questioning stuff and of course we don't have many rodeos in yorkshire so uh, the response to that now is this isn't my first sheepdog trial no so uh, mm. you, you're kind of saying this isn't my first sheepdog trial i've no. not put these twenty thousand yeah. figures on the table without having a reasonable idea of what i'm yeah, going yeah. And, and, and you know the, the, the real truth is that often you're discussing things that has little or no real historical basis yeah you know I, i've had a very heated argument once a long time ago now 10 15 years ago yeah. at derby a, yeah. a guy about a color which he said was not the same color as mm. it was on the illustration and yeah. i said have you ever been to the army de Mizee? and he said no and i said you ought to go there yeah because you'll find that most of the uniforms are not the same color and he'll go, why? They say, because they're faded and they've been worn for years. Yeah. And, you know. So, you know, yeah. and I don't get annoyed the first time, but I do the second time. Yeah. I give them the first, I always give people one, one written warning, one verbal <laughs> warning, one verbal warning, rather. Yeah. You should carry some little yellow cards. Yeah, I ought to. Yeah, I ought to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be a good one. Yeah. Well, I can't see the beer, you know, there's no problems whatsoever with, with that person who questions your 
game that's taken you hours and hours yeah, and hours. Absolutely. Um, but we'll 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 leave the the door to the vault slightly ajar. Uh, and uh, I think you had a second. I one. do. Yes. <laughs> and this one's um, I, I I get really unhappy about rule sets that don't have indexes. Oh, we can get behind this. Yes. We I can mean, get behind I, this. I mean, I have spent my life like like most people playing loads of different sets of rules. Yeah. And you get rules, beautiful rules, mm. with lovely pictures. And, and lots, and sometimes they have paragraph head. Well, not even paragraph. They have um, sort of yes, yeah, section heading. But that's not what I want. Yeah, I actually want to know um, about the charge rules, and I want a little section saying charge infantry, charge cavalry. You know, yeah. and it's not difficult to produce it. It just takes an extra, I don't know, a few hours to put it yeah. together. Yeah. So, and I, I reckon that I've given up two or three sets of rules because mm. I've just got to the point where if I have to read it again. Yeah, it's going to drive me bonkers. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can, I can certainly get on board with this. Uh, um, Pickett's Charge are a fantastic set of rules, Dave Brown. If you're listening, because I know you do, um, the uh, great mate. I really, really like them. But put put an index in the back. Um, we were playing Pickett's Charge last week and really enjoyed the game. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to find out a certain thing: which situation a brigade would yeah. falter. Yeah. Uh, and then just trying to find where in the rules that definition was, and, and an index would be absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And I, I would use Hell Caesar, which I think are a wonderful set of rules. Yeah. Absolutely support completely and play all the time. Yeah. They've got a big section at the beginning, but it's but it's it's in large lumps. Yeah. And and when you're trying to learn a game, you really need it in small lump. You yeah. really really yeah. do. Gentle. Gentle yeah. feeding, yeah. lovely. Well, um, we can hear the vault closing behind us now as, an, <laughs> as another couple of uh, entries go into room 101. Good. So thank you very much for that, Chris. It's a and uh, we shall uh, have a short break and then we'll come back to our final uh, section of the podcast and the big topic. Right. And here we are already. We're back into the big topic. And we're going to be talking to Chris today about big games, putting big games on its shows, um, the kind of stuff that he's been doing for many, many years. So I'm sure he can uh, enlighten us with a few stories in relation to that. Um, but the first thing I'm, I'm going to talk about um, is, and we've, we've touched a bit as we've gone through the course of the podcast, about collections of figures. And um, I'm facing Chris, and behind him is just like a wall full of some of the best-painted 28mm figures uh, going. So um, how have you gone from your first pack of figures to a wall full of 28mm figures? Right, okay. Well, no, it's a really good question because, and also, there's not a single figure in there that I started with. Yeah. Not a single figure. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it, it was a, a case of sort of gradual progression, driven by a meg- an area of megalomania, no question about that at yeah. all, but also driven by this continuous wish to put games on and therefore buy things to fill the gaps that I yeah. needed to do yeah. the games. And I think that's had quite a major effect on it. Um, I was lucky enough. I've been. I mean, I, I always say to people that I've been very lucky. I've mm. had a very well-paid job most mm. of my working life until yeah. I retired, and um, that allowed me to buy what I really wanted within yeah. reason. My wife wasn't be too happy if I'd actually spent the housekeeping <laughs> on it, but she was pretty damn good about it. Yeah. And and she she's heavily into Romani Romani stuff and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's okay. She spent yeah. or it was. She spends there and I spend there. And so gradually, um, I built up the collections from and, and, and when I first moved to Yorkshire um, I probably had about 3,000 figures all and included in that collection was a very large number of minifigs 
yeah. for 100 minifix. Um, and then gradually, as, as I progressed, mm. I gradually just grew more and more. And now I've got to the stage, when I got to the stage, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15, 10, 12 years ago, when I started recreating the armies for particular battles yeah. and therefore filling the gaps. We talked earlier on about yeah. Saxon, yeah. Gracias. Yeah. So, and I've also been extremely lucky. Um, I had, I've had a number of friends, p- particularly Pete Royal. I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned him before. Yes, a great yeah, painter. Before, great yeah. painter. Yeah. One, of, one of the great painters. At his yeah. best, outstanding. Um, so I had, I've had him. He painted yeah. a lot of stuff for me. And that, by the way, started in Fiasco. Bought, uh, bought some figures off a Fiasco stand. Yeah. Just a few figures, which he had painted for somebody else. Ah, right, then somebody yeah. introduced me to him, and he very kindly agreed to make me out those into regiments. And now about half my cavalry are his. Wow. I know. <laughs> um, so I'm very lucky. Lucky with him. Yeah. I also, um, if I, I would like to say, I grew up with Steve Shan because he painted for me in the days when his painting was okay. Now he produces what I would regard as a very good figure, yeah. and yeah. he's painted me tons and tons of things. Um, and then on top of that, uh, Jerry Miller's done me quite a lot, which yeah. I think you know, Jerry. Yeah. And I'm talking mostly Napoleonic at the moment, yeah. but, but it applies pretty much. Though Pete, Pete Wall, as far as I know, has never painted an ancient in his life, yeah. and I imagine he never would. Yeah. Um, but but certainly Jerry Miller does. Yeah. Steve has done a few. Um, so I've been very lucky. I've had a number of gifted painters, which, mm. which does make a lot of difference. So I, and if you, if, you, if you go back a slightly at an angle and go to my, my Roman, late Roman mm. collection, that I didn't exist six years ago. And then what actually happened was I got into it. In fact, what actually happened was Richard um, Harris and a couple of others got into using some particular set of rules whose name I can't even remember, <laughs> who, which were appalling. They were yeah. not good. Yeah. And, but I really liked it. So not the rules, but the figures. Yeah. So, and I always fancied Romans. Um, and of course, I hadn't at that point realised that they didn't have rectangular shields. They have round shields yeah. at the period I'm into. Uh, but I, no, I forced myself yeah. to read the history and yeah. understand it. And so then I, then I gradually built it up. And then, and then while, well, during the lockdown, um, to Jerry Miller's absolute horror, mm. I sort of chucked like 20 battalion, 20 units rather, of Romans at him and said, could you pay this for me, please? <laughs> And when he finished, I said, and by the way, there's another 20 goths. And he's got a good sense of humour. So he just went on and painted them. So that's really how it all came about. But it was managed. I have never, ever... No, that's not true. (laughs) I have very rarely not planned with great care what I've got. So whether it's figures or whether it's the Cold War stuff or whether it's the Second World War stuff, I've got a very clear plan as to what I'm trying to do. Yeah. The, the exception was French-Indian Wars. Went into it because mm. I loved them, looked like yeah. them, thought they were great, and then discovered that actually they're very nice to play using sharp practice for a couple of games. And, and I don't play things like I can only play once or twice. So yeah. I very I sold them on, and they got you know, that's great. On very rarely sell things. Very very so, rarely. Sell. So have you built the the collections up uh, unit by unit, or have you ever seen a, a you know a collection? I, I, bought? I, yeah, I bought I bought bits of yeah. people. So for example, um, many years ago, twenty odd years ago, mm. I bought a load of connoisseur figures, painted connoisseur yeah. from a guy. Um, because he just had them and they were nicely painted. They needed touching up, so I bought those. Um, I, there's a guy called Duncan Wright, who I know quite well. Um, he, I bought some French off him mm. because they're nice and yeah. they made them. And I needed, people laugh at this, and they, in fact they say, no, you didn't need this, they wanted. Um, I wanted to um, increase my French infantry. People laugh about it. They go, increase your French infantry. <laughs> but, you, but of course you need a lot yeah, of French you do, infantry. Yeah, you do. And I only had like 50 battalions, I only 70. Mm. So this guy had about a load, so we got them sorted yeah. out. So... But overall, I, I carefully think about it. So for exa- I'll give you an example. Um, I decided I wanted to work in Burgamy. So I did the research. 
What, what does a working biography look like? What, what's, what's acceptable? What isn't yeah. acceptable with it? Then I went to look at the figures, and there was only one company to do the really good ones, and that's Front Rank. Yeah. Now, generally, I'm not a great fan of Front Rank. Yeah. I mean, they're a bit, little bit Dalek-y. Not they're, desperately. They're, they're, they're great from a painter's point of view yeah. because of the way they're sculpted. Yeah. But they're not exactly well animated. Yeah. So anyway, but so I, I got them, bought them. Bought the whole lot, did a deal with Front Rank, and then Steve worked his way through painting them for me. Got the flags and all that mm. sort of stuff. And that's how it works. The, the, the exception to that is was the French. I mean, I started with a core lump of French, and then I just added stuff yeah. as I went along. Um, I went to the British very, very late. So um, what happened there was I bought this British cavalry uh, from Pete Royal. I thought, well, if I'm going to buy some British cavalry, I'd better have some yeah. British infantry. Yeah, and then have British infantry, and we'll better the Spanish. And yeah. What about the Portuguese? And have you um, have you ever bought a unit um, because of its history? Yes, yes, I have actually. <laughs> funny enough, yeah. yes, I've got the guards, the old guard band. Yes, which I'd, I bought from. I'd heard this rumor. Yes, I bought it rumor. from Mike so- Mike Ingham yeah. about a year, about a month or so before he died. I went over to see him anyway because mm. he, I knew he was dying um, as I said I was quite a good friend of his yeah. went across to see him and sat and talked to him for a while mm. and he said to me I'm selling stuff off so I said oh have you, have you got your have you got the rocket battery because I really like he said no no I haven't I'm very sorry I said, but you've got the guard band here. yes I have oh wow so I bought it off him <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah I've got I've got Peter Gilder's guard band I bought Fantastic. that and that's about the only thing I think I've ever really been sentimental about yeah that, um, yeah. hey, somebody had mentioned that story to me, and I just wanted oh, to confirm that. There you that. are. So it is true. That is, that is brilliant. Yeah, yeah no, it is true. Because uh, I think, um, although I don't think there will ever be a War Games museum, no. there are certain iconic yes, units. Yes, there are. Um, and f- for me, it will always be the Italian War gendarmes yes. from... Number two or three of war, miniature war games, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Peter Gilder ones, and I was lucky enough to play with those at uh, yeah. War Games Holiday Centre yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. earlier this year. So I just wanted to yeah. uh, to know whether yeah, there yeah. was one of those. Yeah, kicking yeah. no, it, it is true. It is true. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is absolutely true. And I should just say, as an aside, because you can't see these. Yeah. Um, for example, we take Cold War. With the Cold War, um, remembering it's not a not very hot Cold War. It's in seventy finishing. Yeah. So fifty years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, with that. I started with, started with Russian and British, but then I do things like I decide on Czechoslovakian. So then I go and source the bloody strange things they used at that period, yeah. and then I go and get the figures, got yeah. the figures, sort out the figures, and then I just got the whole lot done in one you know, yeah. over a period of time. And has there been a, a time when um, you've not been able to get a figure or a, or a model or a tank or whatever, and you've gone... Yeah. Right, and, and had yes. it commissioned. Yes. <laughs> so I think somebody might have been telling you that. Yes. Uh, I do my research for these podcasts. Yeah, well, well Pete, Pete, Pete Morby, yes. He, yeah. he did me very... In fact, he's still got them in his, uh, his catalogue. The, 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 um, the Young Guard Lancers, he did those for me. Yeah. And we did a deal with it, so then he put them on the market. Put them on the market, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think the Young Guard, um, Tyrolea, I think, I think that came the same way. We sort of did in bet- We did it sort of together, he, the Swedes, because yeah. he wanted the Swedish... Uh, he wanted. To, he was doing the Swedes, and he yeah. wanted a horse foot, horse battery and a foot battery. And I was going to Stockholm. Ah! So I went to the museum. Yeah. Took a load of photos. Yeah. And then sent him the photos. Brilliant. Result: I got two batteries free. Excellent. Which was excellent. Yeah. yeah very that's good, a good deal. deal. That's yeah, a very really good, good deal, deal indeed. <laughs> and, and 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 the same with um. There's been there's been odd things. There's a guy called Black Knight. Do you know of him? I've heard. I've yeah, heard. he's 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 pretty expensive, but he's very good. Yeah. Great converter. Yeah. So you can send him things yeah. and tell him and, and tell him what you want. 
if you know him. And yeah. he will chop stuff around for us. Oh. So I've got one or two interesting looking things. So, yeah. Fantastic. And of course, nowadays, of course, with 3D printing, there's almost nothing you can't get. Even I'm tempted to do some stuff. At well, some I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't now, yeah. but I, was, I would have been 10 years ago, yeah. 15 years ago, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, you've, you've, do you know your um, overall total? We've talked about 23,000 Napoleonics. <sighs> it must be 28 mil, probably in excess of 30,000. 20 mil, absolutely impossible to know. Must be, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like... <sighs> I, I would guess I've got. Let's put this way: I've got a, I've got nine nine, um, nine battalions of Russians, nine battalions of British, nine battalions of Americans. Mm. You know, tanks, guns, endless them. I, yeah. I just wouldn't even like to guess how many I've got. Yeah. Though I do, because I'm sad. It's all indexed. Ah, very good. Everything's indexed. Yeah. It's the same as my military books. I've got yeah. nearly seven hundred Napoleonic books. If you can imagine that. Yeah. Go so on. it's all That's indexed, all. all title by title, yeah. all done. Excellent. Because uh, somebody somebody asked me two or three years ago when yeah. I was a guest on yeah. a podcast, how many figures you've got, and I had absolutely no idea. Well, um, I'm roughly right, and I went and I went away and counted them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, thirty thousand is a lot. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot, especially when because uh, is twenty mil the lowest scale that you've got? Yes. So yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's more than twenty. Yeah. So there's, there's you know, <laughs> you're not. Chucking in ten thousand no. sex mail just oh to Christ no. No, no 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 I mean that's twenty I mean, thirty thousand twenty eight yeah. So, yeah brilliant well thanks very much for that chat about your your, your collection um it, it is extremely nice <laughs> I can't argue with <laughs> thank that you very much uh, and it's a jo- the, the times when I've been here it's been a joy to play with them so uh, it's uh, it's a great collection to have um. So we're going to move on now. I'm going to talk about display games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we've touched a little bit on a few of the topics, but we'll, we'll just go into a bit more detail yeah, with course. them. So do you remember the first time that you took a game to a show? Yes. Uh, in fact, I, I, I was, I was the, it was the second time it went out because I wasn't there for the first time, yeah. which was Dormagen for Sods. Um, and that was back in 19... Well, we, we, I actually had a conversation. Myself and Brian Southall yeah. sat and talked about it. We think it was in 83 or 84. We're not right. quite sure. But that was the first game out. And um, do you remember um, sort of what the, the size of it was? The oh, it, well, yeah, it must have been about... I think it was probably about 15 by 6. Yeah. And I would think there must have been about a couple of thousand figures on it. So it was quite a lot in those yeah. days. And yeah. it was sculpted terrain. Ooh. First, first day out, first game out was Birmingham, and I didn't go there mm. for marital reasons. Right, <laughs> I was changing wives at the time. Ah, right, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but the second game out, I think I might say, is the second game out was either Manchester or Derby, and we we had a clean sweep that year all the way through to Birmingham. We won every single award of the yeah. Euro Games, but it wasn't difficult because in those days most people didn't. Well, there was no sculpted terrain. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, where did that sculpted terrain come Gilda. from? Straight from Gilda. Straight, straight, straight from, from Gilda. Gilda. Yeah, absolutely, straight from Gilda. The whole thing came. I mean, we had a we had a deal running um, with him for a while. For, no, all the time actually. Yeah. As long as we were in Napoleonic, um, we used to buy our figures off him. He gave a really good discount. Ah. Well, him and then Dave Thomas. Because Dave, I haven't really talked much about Dave, but he's yeah. he's another one of those people who, without, we wouldn't have the hobby we've got now. So I mean, I've got a lot of time for Dave. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, we, we used to get really good discounts. So we did Waterloo in, mm. I think it was nineteen ninety five. I think at uh, Triples first, they gave yeah. us. They'd never done it before. They gave us two tables, a front and back table, and um, yeah, I mean, and they gave us they, they gave us terrific discounts. Mm. We needed it because we had a lot of bloody figures. A lot of figures, and 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 from those figures on those first tables that, that they did, yes, was that a collection of people? It, it was a collection. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, for sods, it was a collection of sods figures, probably all the way up until when it dissolved. After it dissolved, I I ran it, carried on running the display games, mm. um, and they mostly were my figures. But then people would bring up their own as well. So uh, people like Roger Goldman and Tony Russell, they brought a number of units with them to yeah. do games. So I would say, look, you know, we're going to do a Lau. Yeah. Can you do this? Could you do that? Um, and then we carried on that for a while, yeah. actually. Like that. So um, it's it was quite a coincidence then to get a similar group of like-minded people in the same place with well, similar collections. Well, as I explained, it all came about because of this school, because of H. I mean, he started this, really. Yeah. And because we then went on into uh, Lloyd's garage, built up these figures, yeah. and we all got into them. So you started off with things like, I mean, Lloyd used to have Brunswick, uh, lancers, but he liked them and they were very effective. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then others have had all sorts of strange things. You yeah. know, and it just it just gradually developed. And I mean, yeah. and then, then then of course we realised one morning that we'd all collected things, some of which were no use. So I had, for example, a load of minifigs, including mm. Bavarian cuirassiers and Bavarian lancers. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't really remember. Do you remember Andy Townsend? Yes, God I do. Rest remember his, God rest yeah, his soul. Yes, yeah. Well, he used to love them. Mm. He used to swear blind that you know they were obviously there, even though mm. they weren't. Yeah. And so, so because um, Minifig did them. Yeah. So we we actually got to a point as a group where we suddenly realised we've got stuff we couldn't use either. <laughs> so then we thought, oh, okay, you know, we've got yeah. all these figures we can't use. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but it was yet it was mostly I and mean, certainly up until Sods itself really dissolved, it was mostly well, same dissolved. Stop doing war. Stop doing demo games as mm. Sods One. There was yeah. another group called Sods that carried on with some of the people from the original group, yeah. um, which I suppose was just as much Sods, but it wasn't me. Um, yeah. And they did do demo games, so I yeah. hardly ever came across them. But we, 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 very much, it was a combined thing. This guy Tony Russell, you've heard me talk about, who has died unfortunately. Yeah. He had a wonderful collection of figures, and he mm. was painting figures to a to a standard that used to make you absolutely sick. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, how did he do it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Part of life. And um, do you remember the conversation before you put the first game on? Do you remember what was the drive behind doing that? No, no. <laughs> I honestly, genuinely don't. And and in fact, I was, I was. You see, what happened was, I was in Birmingham until 1970. Six, I think it was. Yeah. And I moved up to London for three years. So I sort of, I used to go and play with them and go and see them, but I didn't have a, a, as much contact with them. Yeah. So when I came back in, when I started coming back to join them, they were really, they, that's when they started, that's when they were planning to bargain. I moved to Swindon, which is, sounds like a long way, but it isn't from Birmingham. Yeah. It's yeah. only an hour and 20 yeah. minutes, yeah. hour and a half. So. Yeah. so I started going up there and mm. they were doing the planning for it then. Yeah. So I joined up. Yeah. Um, we had those. Have you seen the ridiculous orange T-shirts? Same colour yes, as yours. Yes, I yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and the big banner. Sods yeah. do it in the grand manner. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I remember that. Yeah, as well. I think most people do. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think you know, really honestly, I think that the people who really got that first game moving, I wasn't one of them, to be honest. And it wasn't really until the second um, outing of the game I actually took part, and I started doing the handouts. Yeah, and doing the handing out, <laughs> and I think just gradually grew from there. And um, you were obviously moving in and out of, of, of yeah. that group from, yes, from that conversation there. But was it a group that met like a war games club? Yes, on a, yes. On they, a... they played regularly, and I used to come up from Swindon. 
I used to drive up, would you believe? I used to drive up um, uh, in, in the evening and then go back in the evening. Wow. I know. <laughs> it, it, was, it was much better because I started, at that point I was doing a regional job and my region was sort of in the southwest, yeah. west, western southwest. So I had like four depots spread around yeah. the southwest. And then, luck would have it, I was, I was with a company that was growing mm. and we bought a depot in Bilston. Ah, Guess where Forward I was? Plumbing. Always. Yes. <laughs> Guess where I always was, or as much as I possibly could be. Yeah. So suddenly I was able to play much more often. Yeah. I also had a slight problem. I, I, I intimated to you before. My first yeah. wife regarded wargaming as a very stupid hobby. She thought it was a very silly way of that, yeah. um, doing things. My second wife, Chris, who I'm married to, she regarded it as something that men should do because yeah. she, she knew where I was. She knew who I was drinking beer with. Yep. And, she, and she just thought it was a very sensible way of spending your time yeah. so once i got married once i got later once my relationship started with her she encouraged me to go wargaming encouraged me to yeah. collect encourage so if you like the whole thing came back much yeah. more Ooh. came back together perfectly yes, it did. perfectly it did. and it's a sign of a good operations manager to be able to be in the right place at the I right know. time i know i, I used to say that yeah i know i used to say that <laughs> so how did those how did those games develop then from that first one that you, you talked about well i i well I, i'm not going to bore you with it but i've got a big brown green folder with about 50 of them in it yeah um we basically just gently expanded we started with De Margan, and then we moved on to a couple of historical ones, Thamindal Goleman, yeah. um, a couple of other ones of the Russian campaign, smaller, but and we and we started getting heavily putting the history in more, mm. getting the war, getting the uh, orders of battle sorted out properly, organising ourselves so we could get paint, get the stuff painted, yeah. either painted. In my mm. case, I, I missed a name out actually. The other yeah. person I used to get painted was a guy called Matt Warren. Right, yeah, I don't I know. Matt, no. uh, have you heard of him? I've I've heard the name, yeah. but I, I can't. Put Responsible for quite a lot of painting. Oh yeah? yes, right. yeah. I've still got some of his stuff, and there yeah. are a number of people who've got a lot of his stuff. There's a guy called Phil Garner who's got a lot of his stuff. Yeah, very good painter, very yeah. nice, you know, but very different style, a bit more glossy than some of the stuff yeah. I've got now. Um, and so I used to go. I, I'd go to the. We go along for club. We go right. We need we need eight Russians, Chris. Okay, okay, Mac. <laughs> if I send you, if yeah. I bring you over, yeah. eight battalions of Russians, could yeah. you get them done in? Yes, yeah. of course I can. Yeah. So that's the way it worked, and and it worked really well. And we carried on like that, and of course that's the other reason my collection started to grow very seriously. Mm. And then, and we tended to do one game normally a year, though sometimes we did a small one as well. Yeah. But it tended to be one game, and we used to go to Birmingham to Fiasco. Uh, to Derby, to Sheffield, to Manchester, um, and then old oh, oh, Ladywood, the yeah. in Birmingham. Like, well, I said, always said that, haven't I? Mm. Um, we used to do, we used to go down to Western Supermare sometimes. Yeah, because um, we had a, had a couple of guys in the group who I brought with me, mm. who came from Swindon. Um, we did do a little. We didn't do much in London at all. Yeah, I was going to say, did you try? Somewhere? We did. We did a couple of uh, yeah. a couple of forays. Yeah. Um, I did a. We did a little bit. I uh, did one at um, Kensington Town Hall. That broke my heart. Mm. Well, it felt like it anyway. I've never had anything. It was so difficult. I mean, I'm sure people have told you stories of it. It was just, you know, yeah. murderous. You park, you couldn't stop. Yeah. It was difficult to get in and out of the place. It wasn't as interesting as Sheffield Triples. Did you do Sheffield Triples? Oh, yes, many times. Yeah. Well, you know, imagine <laughs> taking 18 feet worth of these great solid boards, yeah. which were constructed by another friend of ours who's died now. Yeah. Um, and then they, they, he, he made the first... I don't know, first 30 or 40 feet of them. But the only yeah. problem was, he, it wasn't until we got, I got my first set, I realised, they'd done them, they surfaced them in concrete. <laughs> 
They're very durable. Yes, yes. You can spill a pint of beer on them. Yeah. No problem. But you get four of those in your arms. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, and of course, with triples, you had to park quite a way away. Yes. So you trolled them across to the, the octagon, or whatever it was, the octagon. <laughs> yeah, I think it was yeah, the octagon. Yeah, yeah, Up the dog, dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it went on. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and so we basically just kept planning, kept expanding, kept expanding. Yes. And, and we got to the point where um, we, were doing a, we were doing a number of games every year. I think also what happened, though, a little bit, was I think they got to a point, we did, it water, we did Waterloo, and I think in many ways that was the end for us anyway. Yeah. I think we'd done, we'd been doing it for ah, 10, 12 years, mm. and I think one or two of the guys were getting a bit, some of us more obsessive bastards just yeah, don't really just care. Grind but, you know, on, grind <laughs> absolutely. on. So I think really looking back on it now, um, I think probably, though it took a while after that before it broke up, I mm. suspect that was the beginning of it. And you, you kind of mentioned there the, the process of doing one game a year. Mm. Um, so how long would the planning process take oh, before that? near enough six months, six yeah. months beforehand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and we, you know, yes, I mean, it was, it was a long process. Mm. I mean, the Waterloo one, I think, took us a year. My memory yeah. was it took a year. Whether it did or not, I don't know. And, and did, did, did you do most of the planning? Or? No, no, no. In, in those days, it was completely joint. We all did yeah. bits of it. Yeah. I mean, and we all added things to it. I mean, mm. um, Tony Russell did a lot of the, of the actual physical planning. He did a lot of the map. He was, he was, he was very much a backroom man. He was very much, um, very, um, very quiet. Yeah. Not one of those people. But he did a lot of the planning for it. He was very, very knowledgeable. Mm. Knew, I like to think nowadays I know a lot about Napoleon Wargaming, and I probably now know about as much as he did then. He, he was very, yeah. very good. And so he did a lot of that. And then we did things like um, I would organise the handouts yeah. and get them printed because that was nice and easy and yeah. you know, I could do it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and then once one of the other guys, I think Roger Goldman and one of the other guys, they organised the, the T-shirts. Yeah. And then they had sweatshirts, and then yeah. and so on. So it was a kind of a, like a, a lengthy process to get it to that point. Yes. Get it on the table. Did you have a dry run before you? Sometimes, 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 depending on what we were doing. Yeah, but we were pretty damn confident. Yeah, I mean, without being rude, I mean, we'd all been doing Grand Manor for by that time for a very long time. Yeah, we all knew what we wanted to do. We never used to fall out really in those days. Um, we generally got on well together. We just used to get on with it, and yeah. maybe the first day out, we, we maybe one or two things we weren't totally happy with, so we yeah. altered them for the next time. And something that's kind of disappeared now from the War Games uh, calendar um, is the two-day show. I know, um, and um, I just like to talk to you about what kind of a difference that made to the games that you could put on. Um, and how they worked with the with the audience. We should talk a little bit about. I think two day games were, were were the most satisfying for us to do. Yeah, because the one day games were perfectly okay. They mm. were good games, and we got on with it. But the two day games, particularly if you could set them up the night before, yeah, which you could often, um, you could get a two days gaming. You could, people would come for two days and watch you. There were times when you actually had people, you know, three three or four three three people deep. Yeah, watching when it particularly you know you get people come and have a look on Saturday doing on Saturday come and have a look see what you were doing yeah have a chat um, and then they'd go and then they'd come back and come back and then on Sunday you start getting more people coming yeah because it's getting somewhere mm. we always used to try and get them to come to a conclusion didn't always yeah we tried by very hard because I, I'm I'm struggling to think now should uh, Sheffield triples have gone 
Derby used to be two yeah, days. It was originally, that, I think. Yeah, yeah that, my memory is. They were about the only ones. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, they were mostly one-day games. What used to help a lot would be if you could set the game up beforehand on the first yeah. on the day. So if you could get in and get it set up, at least you knew when you turned up at nine o'clock, half past nine. Ready to go. Uh, the worst thing was, I mean, I used to say laughingly, you know, that the, yeah. the enemy of a good game is a good curry. Yes. <laughs> Too much the night before. Yeah can make, make yeah, a huge yeah, yeah, difference. Yeah. And a couple of pints of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back on those Sods days, then what are, what are probably the most memorable games for you from the, that period? Well, Waterloo was outstanding. Yeah, Waterloo was one of the great games. I mean, really enjoyable. Dormagan itself, because it broke all the new ground. After that, really, just most of the games were really good. I yeah. can't think of any one particular one with Sods that stands out more than others. They were all yeah. really good, exciting games. All Napoleonic. Yeah. Nothing but Napoleonic. Nothing you know, wrong with that. And nothing, and all Napoleon, all Grand Manor, yeah. and all basically 28 mil big terrains. And and your collection of figures has obviously grown over yes. time, and I take it it was growing during, yes, during that yes, sod's yes. time as well. Um, when it came to the end and you started doing stuff um, on mm. your own, was it Friends of Chris Flowers first and then yeah, Bramley Barn? That's and, right. um, had you at that point? Got enough figures to yeah. go solo, if yeah. you, if you yeah. like. I could borrow some because yeah. you see, when I when I when I started myself doing myself, I still had friends from Sods. So, for example, the first game we ever did, which you know I couldn't even tell you what it was now. Yep. I know it's triples. <laughs> um, Tony Russell turned up with the figures. So, and then gradually I didn't need it so much. Yeah. And now, well, even probably the last ten years, I didn't need any help at all. Fifteen years ago, yeah. So what what keeps you going then? What keeps the well, drive for you to for big start, games? Yeah, do I'm these just games. about to retire. Yeah, I'm 75 next year, and it's physically I find it, I'm finding it physically really hard work. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to almost certainly do um, some big games in next year because Steve Shannon's yeah. doing this Leipzig book, which I think you probably yes, heard about, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's quite keen on the first partisan, which I I've been going to again almost yeah. as long yeah. as in fact as long as uh, Fiasco to do some big big game for that. And he's talking about doing the train himself, which is great. Ooh, nice. And that's the other good thing, you yeah. see. One thing I don't do anymore is lug the terrain because other people bring the terrain. <laughs> so, but I'm getting to the point where, I don't know, I, I don't, maybe I'll miss it too much. Maybe I want to carry on doing it until I'm 90. <laughs> You never know. You never know. You never you know. know. You, you never, never know. know. No, you don't. Um, so what uh, sort of stuff have you done then since you've, you've come away from the well, Sods with Bramley Barn? Right. Well, we did, we, we did a number of big Napoleonics. We yeah. did Alau, of course, which was very successful. Yeah. Um, I think that was I think that was Alau. I think that was yeah. Alau for the 2000 triples, I think. Um, we did Gettysburg, of course, yeah. which was a very, very successful. Um, we've, done, we've, done, so we've done several ACWs. Um, we've done a number of Cold War games, and a yeah. couple of Cold War games. I mean, if you're interested in funny stories, yeah, I did, yeah. did my first ever Cold War game at Partisan. Yeah. And um, it was a big table, all covered in stuff. Mm. I don't know, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. And um, it looked like, a, looked like any other big game. Yeah. And I was standing there, and people were going by, and every, without fail, people would go by and go, oh, there's another second war. Hang on, that's a mid-19. <laughs> and then, of course, we had the ultimate moment, because we're yeah. very proud of ourselves. We know everything there is to know about yeah. it all. And these three girls came along and stood around and started talking to us yeah. about it. 
very yeah. nice, you know, chatting yeah. away. And yeah. I said, to, I eventually, I sort of couldn't stand it. They obviously knew what they were doing. I said, do you know about this? Said, yeah, we're in the army. Ah, <laughs> so there were three young army officers. Yeah. And oh. So, so yeah, I mean, so we did that. I've done, I haven't done much Second World War. Done very little ancient, little yeah. one or two, because there are a couple of outstanding ancient presenters. Yeah. And I almost feel um, that I, I can't match them. So I'm almost not tempted. I can hold my own with Napoleonic, with the exception probably of Bill Gaskin. Um, you know, I can more than hold my own with, yeah. with them. But the, the ancients, I love doing them, but it's not really appropriate because yeah. other people do them as well as I do. Yeah. Probably better. But there's, been a, but there's been a move away from the 100% Napoleonics to yes. try oh, yeah. other I mean, things. Yeah, I mean, I've probably not done Napoleonic for five years, yeah. six years. Um, I do them occasionally, but I don't do them that, that often that day for doing yeah. games. And uh, I think it's because also, because people didn't seem to be... At least I got the impression that people weren't as interested. However, at Newark this year, where we did the ACW game, about 20 or 30, no more than that, probably 30 or 40 people who I know came to me and said, when are you going to know a Napoleonic one? Ah, brilliant. Brilliant. So I, said, I so I said, well... <laughs> so that's why we're probably doing it next year. Yeah. So it'll be a, a sort of a, a farewell tour. Could be. Could a be a farewell tour. T-shirts, indeed. T-shirts yeah, yeah. Ought to be. Ought to Chris be. Flowers yeah. farewell tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you'd sell loads of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, And I have a feeling you see that um, I just I don't want to be like these people who do farewell tours and then come back every year. Yeah. 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 There are one or two famous singers for that, aren't there? <laughs> there are. Yeah. Very famous. Yeah. Um, the ACW collection is that yours? Or yes, it's mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that came about again by accident. Um, I was at um, one of one of the shows doing a big demonstration game, and Jerry Miller had yep. already. And now you asked me where I collect, where I bought things. I bought my Bavarians from Jerry. Jerry had done them for the uh, one. I think it was a a Borodino based game. I think it was. Yeah, I'm sure it was yeah. at the Wargame Centre, the Guild. Yeah. He used to play out there with. And um, he basically, I bought it from him. A year had gone by, or two years, <laughs> and he came up to me and said, "Chris, have you ever thought of buying American Civil War?" Right, the loaded question. Yes, and I said no. I've never thought about it. So he said, "Well, I've got here." He said, "I've got the first first core and half the second core of the Union Army mm. from Gettysburg." So I said, "Oh, right, okay." And he said um, they were from the last time that was played at Peter Gilders. Yeah, and I think he said they were Doug Mason's. Okay. Well, every single bayonet's been soldered. Wow. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So I looked at them, and I thought. I don't shouldn't be buying these, but I did, <laughs> <laughs> and that just started it. So yeah. I, I built it up and built it up, and we did we did Gettysburg, and I yeah. built, had the buildings built from over Mark Saul, and then you know it, I, I do still do it, and yeah. I still enjoy it, yeah. but eventually Richard Harris says he's going to buy them off me, and I yeah. shall sell them to him happily. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic to hear because you've been involved. Um, certainly with games and stuff with Richard Harris, and yes, yeah. legendary war games, yes, and Richard yes. was. The second guest on the podcast, oh, was that yeah, yeah right. episode two. Um, so, just for the audience, how do you know Richard? And, and well, um, he's one of the people I've been playing with for like thirty years. Yeah, I mean, when I first met him, he was a, a mere lad, yeah, a mere stripling, <laughs> um, and um, he used to play with he used to play with me both at my house yeah. in in, in um, Harrogate, and then we moved out here. Yeah. Um, Along with various other guys who yeah. you know loads yeah. of, um, I think I went to Leeds War Games stuff on and off a bit. Then he then he had that house with the games room downstairs. Yeah. You just go and play there regularly. Yeah. And um, at that time, I was working quite working all over the country, mm. so I couldn't really play every week. 
So I used to go to his house yeah. his, in the evenings. We used to stay at his place. Mm. Um, and that's really how I got to know him. Um, he had this... this um, well, I, I think one of the reasons I like him, because he's a megalomaniac like me. Um, so he basically got into it, and he's got this... Yeah. Well, I regard a lovely room where we play it's a few fantastic. times. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think most people know I lend him figures, which yeah. I'm very happy to do. And he uses them and pays for them to have heads put back on again when they fall off. Always good. <laughs> Always good. <laughs> well, that's a great history of you putting on the big games. Thank you. Um, and I just want to delve a little bit into uh, the logistics of doing it. Because... Um, you know, most of us, um, most of the people listening, because unfortunately I've done this, but most of the people listening will go to a war game show, they'll see this huge 20 foot table with thousands of figures on, and they'll go, Ooh, that's lovely. Um, have a chat, walk away, buy some figures, and, and go home and have a cup of tea or whatever. Um, but there's a big I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make it sound like Eddie Stobart, but there's a big operation that goes on there is. behind there is. The, the scene there so yeah. what what Once would I, you say about all well, that work I, I think it'd be summarized very simply my um, when i went when i went out on my own a bit more um i i my, my next company car was a mercedes e-class estate right <laughs> which is basically a wardrobe car yeah <laughs> yeah um and it is really well you know it is mm. really really hard work yeah it's not people people look at it and think it's, it's lugging the terrain that's really hard yeah but you've got to label everything because when you get to the show you can't be everywhere there's half a dozen people you're playing who many of them some of them have not even seen the terrain so you have to have a map with all the numbers on it yeah you know like it's got like 28 24 boards whatever many it is so you've got all these boards and you've got to have numbers on the bottom of all of them You've got to have pictures of the terrain pieces. And those days, of course, it used to be bloody Polaroid. Yes. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, no, no instant. Yeah, no bloody instant yeah, cameras. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you'd have all the, building, all the buildings and everything would be numbered as well. Um, if it was rivers and things, they obviously had to be carefully sorted out yeah. so you knew where they all went. And then, of course, you had to have an army list. And yeah. every tray had to have in it the army list in it. Yeah. So you knew that was the first corps and the second corps and all that yeah. sort of thing. So, I mean, it, I reckon it used to take me about about two months to prepare properly prepare yeah um i used to have a dry run i used to have a dry yeah. run because i could do it here i used to first it wasn't always a full-size table but yeah. i used to get a dry yeah. run in um and then then i'd be numbering everything because because i would normally doing an 18 foot table in, in the, certainly in the early days i didn't yeah. have an 18 foot table so i used to, have to do six and bloody yeah. keep moving pieces off it and labeling everything yeah. um so that was really hard um you and it, it was quite it's, it's good while you've got enthusiasm it's not just your enthusiasm and I think you'll recognise yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You need four or five people who really yeah. will do it, and will, and not only will do it, but will commit to doing it mm. and won't let you down. Definitely, because if they let you down, you're stuffed. Yeah, <laughs> you really are stuffed. And then, of course, the worst piece of all, and I'm sure you'll recognise this, is at three o'clock or half past three in the afternoon. It's time to pack up. Yes, the hall is emptying out, and you've got to pack it all up box it up, put it onto tray, put it onto bloody whatever you're conveying it, and then fight your way through all the various other people <laughs> and get it all in the vehicle yeah. and away again. Yeah. Yeah. And then, horror, shock, I'm home. Yeah. Take it all out, yeah. put it all back on the shelves. It's, so it's not a... It's, I mean, I, you, well, you do it so you know what it's like. It's hard, hard yeah. work. I don't know about you, but actually... Doing big games altogether is quite hard work. I mean, I I do a game. If I do a game here, 
even the Saturn one, I'd probably take, I don't know, three or four hours to plan it, you know, sort yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, this one was very quick. Often it takes me two or two or three hours to mm. lay the table. But I think, um, because I'm very similar school to yourself, um, I, th- I think there are different types of characters within a war game yes. community. And I find this, the, the process of laying a game out, quite cathartic. It's nice and relaxing. It's yeah. like it's the equivalent of my granddad pottering around in the shed. Yeah. Is is how I like yes. to think about it. Yes. Yeah. Is that a similar thing for you? Yes, yourself? I mean it, for for me when I was working for my living, I think it kept me sane. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean it was I, I just re- I really did keep me sane mm. because if I hadn't been doing it mm. and I had 2 years working in Ireland and so I was only coming up weekends. I didn't want to play many weekends and I didn't do many shows either in that yeah. period. But I mean I really missed it. I really missed it. Yeah. And um, okay, I always had the Guinness to go back to, but, <laughs> yeah. but you don't want to, do you? You don't need no, to. No. So I think, um, yeah, I do think so. I think people ask me why I do so much umpiring because I probably probably only play about 20% of the time. Mm. Maybe, I think yeah. probably 20%, maybe not even that. Um, because I love doing it. I love setting up games yeah. and watching people playing them yeah. and um, listening to people going, oh God, you can't possibly expect me to win from this position. <laughs> and how could you give me so, so yeah. few of this? You know, yeah. And, yeah, sorry, I, but that's I, what they had. Yeah, <laughs> I, that, and I think until you've loaded the terrain into a car yourself, uh, yeah. you know, at uh, yeah. Fiasco last weekend, I was I was loading the car at quarter yeah. past five in the yes. morning, yes, to get to the show to yeah. set up, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't quite realise, no. no, no. <laughs> and, and I think um, both of us would agree that. You know, to the listeners, if you are at a show and you see a really big game that quite clearly has taken a long time, just to say thank you yes. to the people who've put yeah. it on because yeah. that means a lot. I mean, yeah. when people say that to me, mm. I think, "All oh, right, yeah, somebody's realised." Mm. Just making nice, just saying nice things about it, yeah, or engaging with you is, is a thank you. Just coming along and going, "This is really interesting." You know, watch them. You know, this is look, the figures are nice, aren't they? It's, yeah. it's enough. It's enough. It is. It is. Well, if if you were um, you know, now you're retired and you've got time to write a book, and uh, you were writing Chris Flowers' guide to putting on big games at shows. Um, what 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 would be some of your chapter headings? What would this be the sort of things that you would, you know, if you were the if you were a big game consultant? Well, the very the very first question I would be asking anybody who wants to do it is, do you have a group of people who will help you do it? Because without that. You're ready. Um, and then the second question is, do you have enough historical understanding of what you're trying to do to do it properly? Don't do a big game that you can't explain ever, yeah. ever. Um, then it's, do I have the resources to actually put it on? Yeah. That, that's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and a number of times, I mean, I, I spent a number of my years, probably my, by the end of my career, probably five or six out of the last ten, yeah. being a consultant, which yeah. I hate. I hated yeah. being a consultant. It's yeah. the last thing on earth. So I learned how to tell people how to do things that they probably already knew, but I, yeah. I was being paid to tell them, which was great. <laughs> but, but I mean, so if I was a war game consultant, yeah. <laughs> I, the, the truth is that um, I, I think it, it's all about, there's, there's actually really, there is one very simple thing. It's planning, 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 yeah. planning. Planning. Yeah. Can't argue with that. No. And I think that's that. what my book would be called. Planning, planning. Planning, <laughs> planning, planning. yeah. Because it, it's just... And I, I do see games, which, you know, and I, I look at some of the games at the War Games clubs, at the War Games games, shows mm. rather. I looked at, I mean, Partizan had some wonderful games. Yeah. They also had some not very good ones. 
and I'm not mentioning anything, yeah. but there were some absolutely brilliant games. And the other thing that does, as I said to you before, gets makes me a little bit unhappy mm. is the people not playing a demonstration game. Yeah. Now, I understand why they don't. Yeah. I really, really yeah. do understand. Yeah. But I'm not sure why you do it. If you just, I almost feel the demonstration game, which is not being played, is a vanity project because you're not giving anybody anything. Just a, a, a visual spectacle yes. rather than yes. an actual yes. game. And I'm, I'm just not sure how really, I don't know how valuable that really is. Something you haven't mentioned. Yes. And I'm going to suggest that this is a chapter title for your oh, book. Oh, yeah, go on. 10%, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's something that I remember meeting you at shows um, and it's to have that person who is the voice of the game yes who can talk to people who can hand out leaflets yeah. who can engage in conversation and yeah. you were that person and I tried to be that person yeah, yeah. Um, how important is that it's, it's complete you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing it unless you've got one you shouldn't be doing it at all there's no point in doing it mm. unless you've got people who can talk about it properly ideally it's the game designer Yes. It's the person who put the game on because mm. they're the ones who can talk about yeah. everything. I, I've got into detailed conversations, I'm sure you have, about how to construct wargaming terrain. Yeah. And that's great. You, know, you yeah. do it, don't you? Yeah. Um, where do you buy the figures from? You know, Tell me about this game. Yeah. And, and you get people who, the last people on earth you expect to yeah. are interested in it. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think you, that person is, they're not the most important person. Everybody is important, yeah. but they're essential. I've been to a lot. I mean, Part of Sam was a very good example. Yeah. There were a couple of really great games there. Nobody, I stood at one of them yeah. looking at it for about 10 minutes yeah. and went away and came back 10 minutes later yeah. and stood there for another 10 minutes yeah. and yeah. went away. Yeah. Why it, bother? Yeah. It's, it's being able to engage in that. And um, I mean, sometimes it's it's not always possible to speak to everyone. Of course it you're always You're involved in a conversation and you're aware... It happened to me quite a few times on Sunday. I'm yes. aware of people mm. waiting to talk, and yeah. I, I don't want to shorten that conversation no, no. To, to continue that no, one. No. So it's quite a, yeah. not a delicate operation, but no. you do have to be aware of what's going on. It's also you. very difficult when, it, when, like you are, and I am as well, pretty well known in the business, yeah. is you're standing there giving things out to somebody, and yeah. one of your mates comes along and wants to talk to you. <laughs> And and I want to talk, and I want to talk to them because yeah. I hardly ever see them. But over there is a couple who are really interested. I can see that you can you can yeah. smell yeah. when they're really yeah. interested, yeah. you know. Or somebody taking good photos and obviously wants to hand yeah. out and just quickly. Yeah. And you want to go and talk to them, and it's yeah. a real problem to do that. A real problem. Do you think that um, the display? I'm not talking about the game itself, but I'm talking about the display around the game. Yes. Do you think that that's something that? hasn't really developed and that we that could be maybe yeah. pushed further. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you do remember, but for a long time, we had these big display boards up sods. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've still got the boards, but I, have, I haven't got a way to put them in, in the vehicle anymore, and I'm struggled to get people to engage with that bit of it. Yeah. Yes, I mean, as I think I said to you earlier on, we really did a couple of games. We did, we did Lutzen at um, Sheffield Triples, I think mm. it was. And we actually, by the way, the real Lutzen, not the yeah. one you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though we did have a very nice statue yeah. of, of, of himself. Yes. Know. But anyway, um, and we actually had this thing, I think I said to you, a piece of paper. It had a chart, turned the page over, period four, Russians yeah. are doing that, mm. you know, and so on. Uh, we've done it in the past when we did Jutland. 
um, we had a huge oh, yes, television at the end of the table yeah. playing documentaries yeah, yeah, yeah. about Jutland. That's great. Yeah, see, it's, I think I think we're kind of as a hobby, we're missing an opportunity. Mm. Um, we're getting some great tables, uh, like you say, partisan is a showcase. It is. Um, but when you look across the hall, there's nothing like a, you know big banners like the sods. Yeah. Do it in the grand manner. Yeah. There's nothing dragging no. your eye to that table, yeah. and you know, regardless of how fantastic your figures and terrain is, mm. um, unless you've got a pair of binoculars from thirty meters away. It no, no, it I, I, I agree. Like I agree. I mean, I, 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 I go round them and I actually struggle sometimes to work out what the hell I'm looking at. Even, you know, yeah. I need because I'm getting old and short-sighted. Yeah. But also because there isn't enough about it, and I'm going, what is this? You know, why? What am I looking at? Yeah. Well, we, we we certainly would be looking forward to Chris Flowers planning, planning, planning. <laughs> yes, uh, ch- twenty-seven chapters, all called planning, yeah. with an index, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> yes. with an index, without yeah. any shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Uh, we're coming to the end of the towards the end of the interview, um, but there's a couple of questions just to finish off, um, and you, you've sort of answered this one already, um, but. Uh, are there any ambitions, big game wise, that you've never been able to fulfil? Not really. Now, I mean, the only yeah. game. Well, what, what we will do next year, probably a legendary war gaming, and I don't know when Richard will then use it afterwards. I would quite like to do Leipzig. Um, I don't yet know. Um, there's a, the scale would have to be one to forty because even I haven't got enough figures yeah. to do the the full sized army, and I would quite like to do that. Yeah. But I've been lucky enough to do pretty much. What you've wanted to yeah, do, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Uh, and would would Leipzig, Leipzig would I take it you would have to get a hall or something? Well, we'd use Richard's size. Yeah, Richard's. Yeah, Richard's used his three tables. I've, yeah, I keep forgetting I've got more wargaming friends with even bigger rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm just going to finish off by uh, introducing a new section. I've not told you about this, but this is a new section into the podcast that I'm going to continue on from here. Um, uh, Radio Four, I think, do it. Uh, Desert Island Discs. Oh yes. So I'm going to do Desert Island War Games. Yes. So you uh, you're going to get you shipwrecked on a desert, and you can you can have as many players as you want. But what would be the game, the scale, the period, the battle that you would have on the desert island? I'd probably do 28 mil Napoleonic Alau. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's your favourite. I've done it battles. before. Yeah. It's particularly spectacular. It has all that heavy cavalry. Yeah, it's a very, very spectacular looking battle with a lot of different units on the table. And I think, uh, I mean, Borodino is always tempting, but it's a very difficult game to orchestrate. It's a, yeah, I've always found Borodino a bit of a slog. It is a slog. Yeah, Alain is more interesting. Um, so that's probably what I'd do. If I was if I was going to cheat, I'd say I'd have a really nice big peninsula table, please, and I could just do loads and loads of different peninsula yeah. battles. <laughs> but that, yeah, I mean, that, that was probably cheating. But yeah. I've not, yeah. as it's the first time we've done yeah. it, I've not yeah. really done the rules for yeah. Desert Island War and Gaming. Can, and can I take one book with me? You can, yes, you can. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd almost certainly take um, Chandler's Napoleonic, the, the, you know, the Napoleonic one. The, the classic, yeah. Campaigns, yeah, of, Campaigns Napoleon, of Napoleon, which yeah. is about that yeah. thick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've read bits of it, I've never read it all. There's and I know I should. There's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. There's a challenge yeah. for all of us, because I'm the same. It's sat there yeah. like a behemoth or whatever yes. it's called yes. on, the, yeah. on the shelf. And when I'm, when I'm doing a battle, I'll go read about yeah. it. But I've never read the whole no, thing. No, never it's a very, it, but you can read it. It's actually very readable. Yeah. Very, very fine author. Yeah, love the chapter as well. Yeah. 
I didn't know him. I've, I've heard of him, but I mean, yeah. I've heard him actually speak. I've never seen. Yeah, him no, I'm, I'm similar, but I've got friends who. Worked yeah, with him. yes, actually, I've heard people talk about that because he yeah. was a, he was at Santos, wasn't he? He yeah. was a lecturer at Santos. Santos. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Brilliant chap. So finally, Chris, have you got a question for me before we finish? Um, no, I mean I, I can't really think of anything particular. Oh, maybe God, one day, God, maybe God. one day you'll let me come and play one of your games at your always, place. Yeah. Always, yeah. Right. I mean, that'd be really yeah, nice open, to do. Open invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank always. you very much. Well, uh, I need to actually tell me when. But yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, apart because well, you do periods I don't do. Yeah. You do apart from your Italian wars, you do English Civil War. You do things that I don't do. Yeah. And that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, apart from this, this guy Richard Lawrence has got me into um, Clash of Eagles, which is yeah. 15 mil, and I love it because it's. Tiny, small scale, sorry, yeah. big scale, yeah, but completely different. Great stuff. Well, have you seen my one seven hundredth World War Two stuff? No, I haven't. Uh, World War Two naval. Oh yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, I love yeah. it. I love that. Yeah, that's, yeah, like that. that's a little yeah. bit crazy. Yeah. No, really good. No, very good. <laughs> well, it's been absolutely fantastic Thank having you. you as a guest. Thank um, you very much. Much appreciated for your time today and inviting me over yeah. and uh, giving me sandwich and drinks, which is always <laughs> always the way to uh, Yorkshireman's heart. Um, so, uh, just want you to say good night to the audience. Good night. Great to um, have this opportunity to talk talk to you. I hope those of you who've met me enjoyed meeting me, and I hope that um, in the future I'll meet some more of you. Lovely. Thanks very much, Chris. Uh, Good night, everyone. So there we go. Another fantastic big game chat in the bag. And it was lovely to sit down and speak with Chris for a couple of hours. I've known Chris for a long, long time. And that's the first time we've really had a chance to sit down and have a a deep in-depth conversation uh, about our hobby that we both love in a very similar way. And it was lovely to do so. And, you know, I've often spoke on the podcast about those huge 28 mil Napoleonic games at shows that inspired me to do what I do. And, you know, maybe people, uh, Chris mentioned it, have got a little bit tired of it. Uh, maybe, oh, it's just another 28 mil Napoleonic game. And for me personally, what COVID has done and what the break in shows has done is made me realize that those games aren't always there and to appreciate them when they are. Um, And that's just my opinion. I I love the big game and I love those big spectacles. And I hope that there's one at every single show that I go to. Looking forward then to the next episode, which is episode 33. And with a three at the end, it's going to be a catch-up episode. So I'm going to dig deep into my phone book and speak to some of my old guests on the show. uh, See what they're up to, see what projects uh, that we spoke about in their episodes, uh, where they are with that. So I shall finalise a lineup for that very soon. for those of you who are aware that my wife was quite badly injured in an accident uh, a few months ago, which is kind of, um, and rightly so, uh, I've been looking after her, uh, knocked back the schedule for the podcast. So I'm I'm probably one, maybe two behind. So um, some of those I'd planned before Christmas uh, might have to come afterwards. But uh, that's just uh, one of those things. Ordinary everyday life gets in the way. I'm, I, you know, I'm not a professional podcaster. 
I don't make any money from this. I don't have a Patreon, etc. Uh, so I just do it for the joy and the fun of talking to fellow big gamers. And surprisingly, uh, for some reason, lots of people out there uh, enjoy and listen to uh, these episodes. Uh, so thank you very much for doing so. If you do, if you if you get chance, you know, I don't ask for any money, but if you do get chance, if you could like um, the episode in whatever medium that you follow it follow the podcast on podbean and uh, leave a review if you would that would be brilliant all this sort of thing um makes the algorithms that push the podcast to the fore when it comes to uh, search engines and stuff that's what it looks at so if you've got a spare couple of minutes and you want to write a quick review and give us a follow give us a like i'd be really really grateful so i will see you in a couple of weeks time with a catch-up episode and uh, until then enjoy your gaming see you